Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 220. I had a chat with Ruby Solly. She is a musician, uh, she's a music teacher, a music therapist, she's a, a poet. Um, she's an amazing talent, and she works uh, with with many instruments, many things, including, I guess, primarily she's a cellist, and she has worked um, in, you know, orchestras, uh, been on stage with Trinity Roots, been a, a supporting player, but uh, she has just released a, a solo album called Poneki, where she plays the cello, she also plays traditional Maori instruments, uh, tangaporo, and... Uh, combines those with natural bird song it's a beautiful album um, I'll provide a link to it check it out um, and she has a book of poetry coming out through VUP next year um, but she's an extraordinary talent now Ruby lives in the same street as me we um, pass each other by a few times a week we, we know each other but this is the first time that we'd ever sat down and had a massive chat uh, we've got a lot of uh, mutual friends and a lot of similar interests and I wanted to talk to her for the podcast anyway and then she got in touch during the lockdown and said I've got this album coming out and I said you know when we get on the other side of this we need to sit and have a chat for the for the podcast so I'm glad that that all happened in and around that and just before that she wrote an article about what it meant to be uh, growing up Maori in the classical world in New Zealand. This was in response to uh, Concert FM potentially being mothballed. I mention this because this became a big deal, this article, and Ruby was happy enough to talk to me about it, but didn't want it to to overtake the interview. So we sort of addressed that quite quickly and talked about that. She, um, But that might be, might be one of the reasons why you've heard her name, because that that article went, as she says, it went sort of New Zealand viral and she ended up on um, RNZ Nights with Brian Crump discussing uh, some of the things she wrote in that essay. I found that all really interesting. Um, I love talking to Ruby. It was a really great chat. Uh, check out her work, support her. She's a huge talent. I hope you enjoy this. This is me talking with Wellington musician, music therapist and poet Ruby Solly. I always like to to um, sort of contextualise how I know someone if I do, and, and, I, and I don't know how long I've known you, but for a couple of years, I reckon. I mean, we live in the same street, so yeah, I'm a pretty smiley guy. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely think, smiled at you before I knew. I was going to say, I think we just kind of like we're drifting around, walking up and down the similar roads with similar yeah. interests in a way, and recognised each other as people in the community. But then my son started going to one of the music classes that you were teaching for a while, which is really where me and my dog uh, yeah, <laughs> got, yeah, got to yeah. know you, and I got to find out. And then your name has, um, I realised that I had, I don't know if I'd seen you perform, but I certainly heard recordings you've been on and, and, and all of this sort of stuff. So, But you seem to be particularly busy and uh, your name comes up in places more and more now, right now, and you've got several projects either just out or that you're prepping. Yeah, well, I've kind of had this strange thing for a long time where I've been in the background of a lot of things, yeah. I think, as a cellist or as a string player. That's often your job. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're almost yeah, like yeah. the kinaki, like the, the relish or like the extra, Mm-mm. the garnish yeah, yeah, on something. Yeah. And as well, I was told, I always wish I could remember who said this, but the job of string players is to make music more of mm. itself. Like, mm-hmm. it's not your job to go in there and play the world's best solo. Unless that's what the music Unless, is amping yeah, towards, yeah, and yeah. that's you. Yeah. But your job is to make the music more of itself and bring out well, those it's, parts. 
it's jobbing jobbing music like yeah. in a way like you're a background player like yeah. literally, literally a background you player you are literally a, a of, background player yeah and it's real funny too because a few years ago like I was on a Trinity Roots tour and someone was telling me about the gig <laughs> this is great I loved it and it was on the gig it was I was a very well this dressed this is a mansplaining story this is it? a man it was yeah. a male and I was like quite well dressed on the gig like we decided we were going to dress quite nicely I had my hair all done I had I used to work in burlesque bands, so I had proper makeup on. Mm. And then this was like a week later at some, I think it was like a writing thing. We were all sitting around writing. And I was wearing like sweatpants and had like messy bun and just looked quite shit. And the guy was like, yeah, I went to see Trinity Roots last week, man. They're so good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, wasn't it an amazing gig? And he's like, yeah, where were you? And I was like. On the stage. On the stage. <laughs> I was on the stage. And he was like, no, you weren't. And oh, I'm like. Wow. Yes, I was. And then oh. I had to get out my that's a proper, phone. That's a this proper is, mansplaining was, story. And then I was like, how can I prove it to you? So I got out my phone and showed him these pictures of me looking less, mm. like, gross <laughs> next to my mum and Warren Maxwell. Like, this is me with a cello. This is my mum. This is Warren Maxwell. And he was like, oh, my God, it is you. And I'm like, I'm so glad you believe me, now, I that, guess. That, yeah. like, rivals the original Rebecca Solnit mansplaining story. The original, the original story is that the article that a guy was talking about, he started explaining it to her, and she, and she went, wrote like, it. I wrote that, and then he basically went, like, mm, no, you didn't. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and carried on, and that's sort of where, well, that's sort of where the term comes from in the context oh, yeah. of, of, of her book about it and so forth, yeah. Oh, wow. I've had some, I've had a, a white guy... Nothing against white guys, you're all good. <laughs> but I've had a white guy um, translate my name for me before, which was pretty awesome. Like yeah. it was incorrectly, I incorrectly, take it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was, he was like, "Oh, you often use your full name. What's up with that?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, my I've got a Maori name and a Pakeha name, and my Maori name is named after one of my ancestors. So I chuck it on there so that if someone is at a gig or at something and they hear that and they're related mm. to me, they can mm. come up and we can find how we're related. And it's a really nice way to build." Build Fanoka, and mm. I really loved it, and that's why I do it. And he's like, "Oh, Hini Punu, oh, that's like that's like a big woman. A, your name is Big Woman, isn't it? Isn't your name Big Woman?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, alrighty, alrighty. See you, John. It's actually yeah. it's actually Big Woman that plays with Trinity Roots. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's actually like Mother of the Southern Winds. I'm named after a wind goddess, but okay, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, Big Woman, it is." <laughs> You know, it was really kind of, and he argued with me in pronunciation as well. It yeah. was a real like a doozy. Why do I do this job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're gonna address what you you quickly said to me off mic was the elephant in the room. Let's get this out the way because the white elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because this is also how I think um, some people probably your name came up to people that didn't know your name or whatever because you wrote this article that meant a lot and went a lot of places yeah and, yeah, and that was kind of viral yeah yeah that's right <laughs> and that was relevant in the context of this weird uh time morphed situation we find ourselves in in 2020 that was still quite recent that that happened it really was quite recent it came out only about a month before lockdown mm -hmm. you wrote an article yeah. your article was basically around the the, the then proposed closure of Concert FM, the mm. mothballing of it, which which was like a reverse casualty of, of COVID-19. They've just decided, well, I think we'll just leave it 
yeah. as it is now. Like that's one of the weird reverse casualties of that. Yeah. But you wrote Which in some ways is really good. Like yeah, um, I've, I completely endorse Radio New Zealand concert existing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so t- yeah. let's talk. I mean, you you said you're sick of being asked about this, so that's why I want to get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, let's so do you it. wrote this article essentially um, saying. This is my. This has been my experience in the classical world. Yeah. And it was around the idea of racism, basically, in the classical world in New Zealand. Yeah, and I think racism in kind of a whole bunch of different ways, mm. from the casual mm. to the blatant. Mm. And also, it was just really funny because the way people were talking about it. If it hadn't have come up, I probably could have kept quiet about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. But always being like a good auntie for when people were going through that. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make you dinner and we can talk about it. Um, but it was just the way everyone was using this word taonga, like, this is a taonga, save another Western value from destruction. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't think you realise what that word means, and yeah, it's not yeah. yours to use if you're going to go around treating people this way mm. and then use their things. That's really inappropriate. And so I just felt so angry and upset about it mm. that so I you wrote yeah. you wrote this really nice piece that was uh, a personal essay, really. Yeah, like it was it's a your, it's your exp- You know, no one could argue um, with this, and you spoke uh, well about it on Brian Crump's show on RNZ, and that was right around the time of it. Like that was shortly after. What what I guess I was interested in knowing was was what sort of awful kickback did you face from it or Ooh, and yeah. and how much posit- like obviously that was positive just the yeah. fact that RNZ wanted to get you on because it was related to their station and that was good form of them to it was good form of them yeah. and I think that yeah it was really scary going in and I was very mm. kind of like okay if you're doing this we're going to do this in a Maori way and yeah. we we're going to have my friend Vinny and gonna you're going to have you, my you, friend Tama you way armed yourself but you yeah. armed yourself in a way that wasn't just to protect yourself it was to bring yeah. more voices to the table yeah and I don't didn't, don't think it would have been fair to have one white person in charge of a show talking to one brown person and yeah. who has a lower amount of power in that space so mm. it was a really good way to make it mm. a really even playing field and we got to have a really robust discussion and as well I was really gutted because they stopped recording after and Brian was really amazing talking like I really want to do something mm. and this has made me see this in a whole new light what can I do and then when I went back recently to be interviewed about the album, like the questions he asked me were so beautiful and I was mm. really, it felt like a real wānanga. It mm. was real awesome. It was this moment in time where we got to have this beautiful, deep conversation about the work I was doing and how that related to lots of things. Well, yeah. he he was, I mean, he's, first of all, he's excellent. Yeah, like he he's, excellent. he's one of the best uh, people at that kind of job complete and, he's, and utter yeah, homie yeah 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 and he's yeah exactly because he's in it for the right reasons and so and just skilled at it but um also yeah the great thing i guess was he had got to know you mm. and your position and that is so lucky for a for a person both sides of the conversation when you're then going in to discuss some work because he's actually got this real fairly deep knowledge of what you've been through, what you're about, yeah. and you know that he knows that, so then you can you can really feel that the questions aren't just like happy flukes and ballpark things because you, yeah. you know. Yeah, completely. Mm. It, it definitely felt like that. It felt like a real, yeah, it was a great conversation. Heaps mm. people said to me when they listened to it, like, oh, I didn't want it to end. I felt mm. like it was going so many places and I learnt so much. And, like, I feel like in a good conversation, everybody learns. You know, that's mm. what part of a good conversation mm. is. Mm. And that's what wānanga is. And, 
Yes, that was really good. But it's been tricky because I've been doing all of the work I've been doing for a really long time. Mm, mm. And been for my... Hello, doggy. For my <laughs> age and everything reasonably successful in it, I guess. Mm. But then there's people who only have kind of noticed I exist from that. And then they went back and looked, which was really funny because I'd be like, oh, wow, how come I've never heard of this person <laughs> when she's done all these things? Yeah. And some of them were like, the media is racist. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe. Um, but that was strange too because it was this sudden, by no means fame, but sudden kind of recognition mm. Mm. that I was like, am I only being seen now because... I came out about racism. <laughs> is yeah, this going to uh, be my shtick? This for is the sort of what of I wanted life? to wonder. Was like, you know, it runs the risk, doesn't it, or ran the risk yeah. of being like that—that's your one hit wonder, and and you yeah. never meant that to be, but it gets no. sort of taken off you. Yeah, and I think there's this kind of responsibility and curse when you're good at talking about race. Yeah. To kind of be expected to do it all the time. So yeah. recently with the events happening with Black Lives Matter and kind of how that looks for POC around the world and how that looks as well for Indigenous people in Aotearoa wanting um, sovereignty and respect and no guns in our police force and all these other things, but also acknowledging that right now our emphasis needs to be on the United States, but that doesn't mean we pull away from our responsibilities mm-hmm. here. And being able to to work with both of those this things This dog's happening, ridiculous. Though. This dog is sitting in the middle of us He's completely like a person, yeah, yeah. like tummy fully exposed, just being an amazing <laughs> therapy pet for this conversation. Um, yeah, so all of those things kind of going on at the same time and people... Realise you're good at talking about that, mm. so contact you to talk about it. And it's really hard to be like, hi there, can you tell us about awful racism, mm. please? Mm. So two, not Monday, just gone, but the Monday before, which is kind of when I feel like a lot of New Zealand media and kind of people started thinking more about mm. what was happening and how it might affect them. Mm. I had 25 requests on that Monday wow. for like comments on stuff. Can you check over this for me? Can you? From... Mm. Pakia, none from Māori, mm. being line of like, can you represent Tangata Whenua at this gig? Mm. It's like, oh yeah, cool, okay, um, no. But it's real interesting because these are kind of good steps to take. Well, there's several stresses involved there. Yeah. It, because I yeah. guess if you don't do it, what plays in your mind is, well, I do know how to do this. Yeah. And if I don't, they might get someone who doesn't, and it, that's, or they might not bother. Yeah. And those are, that's sort of worse. But then there's the toll that it takes on your time and mental health and the unpaid work yeah. and the preparation and all of that, right? Yeah, 100%. And it's a really deep kind of work to have to bring up mm. all those things. And also people kind of expect Māori to know all of this information like on the spot. Like if you, if like you don't, you're not. A, like, if you don't, was at the signing of the treaty, one time. Yeah, go. yeah. And, and if you like, don't, whoa, whoa, if you whoa. don't, if you don't know it, you're not a good Maori. Yeah, that's what people like. Not me personally, but yeah. that's what a lot of us think. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sort of learning or, or or becoming very aware of that. Yeah. There's this ridiculous pressure that you're either um, a, a, a a winning example of what we think should be. Uh, a person who represents Highly the culture. Highly intelligent, palatable native, yeah. Or, or, or you're one of the bad ones, which is yeah, just ridiculous, yeah. it's, right? It's, it's awful. It's a huge pressure. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's hard. And to be honest, the ones I do say yes to are the ones for either people I really, really love mm. or for people when I'm like, oh, my God, 
if I don't do this, yes. this is going to be awful <laughs> for a whole lot of people. Yeah. And those are the ones I really don't like doing. Mm-mm. But there's this responsibility because it's like, well, if I don't do that, you're going to like draw a kōru on top of this and <laughs> say it's all fine. Mm-mm. And it's not going to be fine. And then I don't know who's going to see that and think it's fine. And then I'm just going to have to work to decolonize what you're going to do later once mm. it's already been out there. So I might as well do it now to stop that happening. It's like working smarter. Mm, mm, <laughs> like, mm, really. mm. Yeah. God. So, yeah, okay. So I think we can put that, that article pretty much to bed unless there's anything yeah. else you want to say about it. But So it's had it's been a blessing and a curse situation. Yeah, I got a heap of flack for it. And mm. it's. I was just having this conversation with somebody else today about how it's really funny how you kind of get better at handling being called awful things and receiving death threats. Yeah, and yeah. you shouldn't have to work on that as a skill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You shouldn't be like, oh, this is my second death threat now. It feels a lot less terrible than the first time. You know, I'm, it's like, whoa, you shouldn't have to think like that. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that my struggle has been any yeah, more than yours but i have had, i've had death threats from reviewing shows like from just oh, from just yeah. going and writing about a gig i can't imagine someone who would who care would, that much well yeah i can't imagine <laughs> Put that much value on it oh yeah this is part of the conversation too it's like it's funny how who these comments come from too like i don't think like i would never message somebody who appropriated something from maori culture and be like i'm gonna mm. fucking come and kill you I would just be like, Kelda, maybe we can have a really good conversation about your presumed ownership of this. The problem there, though, is (laughs) some people receiving that communication from you will be like, I can't be bothered with that. Why didn't that person just threaten to kill me? (laughs) You know, I think. Like, isn't that... (laughs) That's how deep the problem is, really, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I was definitely very, like, mentally not great after that and very sketchy. And I also, like, got a lot of gaslighting from people who were like, Mm. I never said that, which is real funny because it's like everything was anonymous. So Mm. if you didn't say it, how did you find it? Yeah, yeah, How did you recognise yourself? Yeah, it was so funny. And people being like, well, I can tell this is this person, but they would never have said that. It's like... It was a beautifully written piece because... It was a beautifully written piece because... uh, Well, yes, but it was so vivid. And, you know, I could see... And it made like so. It made me go. Was I ever the person in these situations? And I have a relatively yeah, good conscience, I think, around this stuff. But I was like, "Fuck, have I ever done something like that?" Yeah. You know, some of those, um, I I know I've been, um, and that whole thing of like, if you don't speak up, you're kind of complicit in the situation. So, yeah. I, I, I one of the things I thought was amazing was the. The thing where you say you're, I mean, you're eight or nine years old, nine oh, yeah. years old, and you say something about your, you know, that someone comments about your hair time. being thick, and yeah. you, and then you say my father's Maori, and then someone basically whispers or blurts out, that's probably that's why probably why he's never around. Yeah, that's and I know really I've, I know I've that, that just brought back to me. I've been around people that have said things like that. Yeah. You know? Of course I have. In front of children. Yeah. You know, it's like kids' identities are so precious and really developing you know that's children or children teenagers especially that kind of i don't know it's 10 to 14 but kind of Mm. 8 to Mm. 8 to 18 it's all identity formation yeah 
and that's a huge identity thing it's real funny like I definitely had phases of having like really short bobbed hair and now I'm just like nah fuck you I'm indigenous as hell <laughs> I've got hair like right down like past my back and it's I'm real gonna get extensions I just wear it out all the time it's like real thick and I can like you know I can practically make a bow with it if I want it's like this really weird strange long term fuck mm, you mm. <laughs> but you know it's real interesting you see all these photos of me oh so I mean uh, you know I, I've read your I've read your that essay and and I've read some writing of yours and I've read your I've read your bio but where did you come from like where did you grow up and how yeah. long have you been in Wellington that's interesting so I grew up in Papa village yes that's right Papa village up, up at Mount Ruapehu mm. and then in Lodimu after that and my grandparents lived in Rosadoa so kind of all around there when I was quite small till I was about seven or eight and then we lived in Turangi and I went to school in Taupo while I was kind of intermediate high school age and then I lived in Lusadua with my granddad my last year of high school and then moved here but I was kind of transitioning into here like I was already doing some session work and stuff right in high yeah, school yeah yeah and so I was kind of sneakily half Wellington was the place you were putting a f- yeah. foot in this camp and I was kind of one of those kids that was kind of had a foot out the door quite mm. early mm. so I was my parents remarkably chill which is cool in a lot of ways so it was like can I go down to Wellington for the jazz festival on the bus please with my cello it'd be like yeah just don't die yeah so that was really cool and because of that it kind of feels like I've been here for a really long time but I've been yeah. here for about eight years yeah yeah and yeah. where does the um you know again obviously I've read your essay and so forth but where does the cello come from for you that's you know I, I don't know if I know if I had a thought when a kid learns yeah. an instrument like the cello but yeah. it seems like you were doing that quite early I was so I saw I saw the cello on Sesame Street when I was living up the mountain when I was <laughs> yeah. a little kid yeah this is a real nice full circle story but also really cringy um and I saw Yo-Yo Ma playing the cello on Sesame Street and I'm like I won't do that and everyone was like <laughs> Yeah. Do you know where you live? You know, like, <laughs> mm. there's one guy who plays the guitar, like, mm. this, you know, the city over. And we all did ballet as well in Oakuni and all wear our gumboots and tutus. It was <laughs> awesome. Anyway, so there was not much there to do stuff like that. And then we moved to Turangi and Taipo had a music school. And so I started learning there in a community kind of context. And I had an amazing uncle who paid for me to have lessons, private lessons, when I kind of outgrew that. And that went on until he passed away when I was about... 12 so yeah so I had all that kind of time and then some friends of his took up paying for lessons for me so I was kind of always that kid that was like didn't seem like I'd be part of that kind of weird right. middle upper class kind of classical community yeah yeah but I was very but you there. had a support network that was putting you in that zone yeah because I there. really loved it I wasn't yeah. like that kid that was forced to play violin yeah, you, you were like, good at it because you you dug it yeah I was really into it and I was really into it too not just in like a I will sit down and play the score kind of way like I was definitely part of a lot of environments where people just jammed and played music and so I was really good at playing stuff by ear I understood all of that without understanding it in words and so the cello just seemed to I could do that like I could you know people could be sitting around having a jam session with some beers and I'd be like oh yeah cool I'll just play cello while you play guitars and ukuleles and that'll be fine mm. and so I kind of had both things going on but I was always treated better in all the band kind of context mm. than I was in the classical context mm. where it would just be can't like there would every single time I went into those spaces there would be something weird and uncomfortable that happened 
And then I just like got to about 16. I'm like, I have actually had it with this. And I was like, I'm going to go to jazz school. And everyone was like, you will never get any work ever. And now everything I do is from... Come from that. Come from music or writing, which is yeah. for me, they all kind of roll into one big yeah. creative pile, which is really nice. It's really nice to have people be like, oh, maybe you'll get to work on a cruise ship one time. And then be like, well, you know... I work as a as a modern cellist a lot of the time and a tonga poodle player and all these things and yeah it worked mm, out. Mm. And you go from watching Yo Yo Ma on Sesame Street, <laughs> and I got to meet him and play with him, which was yeah. awesome. And it was real funny because he's like a real idol for me. I'm a big fan of his because he works as well with like bluegrass musicians. Yeah. And, musicians from around the world and he's an improviser and he's just exudes music has he done more would you say you're qualified to comment on this on minds Possibly. a guess has he done more for that instrument than anyone and in, in a modern context in a modern context i'd say probably yeah. and if not if he and hasn't visibility done it, wise visibility wise yeah. hell yeah. yeah if he hasn't done it he's been in contact with all the people who mm. have mm. you know like i remember being sent the score for one of the pieces we were going to do and it was like arranged by, by Mike Block who's another one of my favourite modern cellists and I was like oh my god Mike Block arranged it mm. they're friends in real life <laughs> this is real life you know it was real funny though because when I met him I just like had so much I could say I hongied him I'm like I'm going to hong him I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and then I did it and it was great um, but then my brain just went completely blank for the first time in my life and I went do you like New Zealand? And I just wanted to die. I was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I had my moment. But then RNZ found the story about me seeing him on, short, on Sesame Street, and he found out about that. And he's like, who's that person? I'm like, who's me? And then we had a really lovely moment about that. And he was just buzzed out that this little girl who lived on a mountain on the other side mm. of the world saw him play. And now he's playing music with them by, like, the river that their ancestors were on, because it, yeah. like, it was not, like, Ntiwaipaunamu, so, you know, it was pretty cool. To, yeah. He was real buzzed out by it, too. But then after I had my dumb do-you-like-New-Zealand moment, which I will carry with me till I die, um, <laughs> I got we got to have a really cool conversation about, like, Māori views of water and other things like that, because he was talking... There was a big thing about water and, like, rivers and water rights and stuff was kind of involved in the piece of work we were doing. So I got to kind of talk about some of those things and he was really like taken with the way we thought about those things and that was really special too and it was cool because he kind of almost thinks in music about all concepts and that's something I think I can do too on some level mm. so yeah it was beautiful it was a beautiful time it was one of those few kind of prizes you get working in spheres like that where yeah. everything else is a bit shit well you, <laughs> you 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 have a moment where you get to put your own value on that and yeah. hold that forever 100%. You, you, you go you basically go no matter what happens i'll always have this and no one could possibly understand how important it is to me and if they if they try to that's neat like not yeah, not yeah, needs yeah. the wrong word because i'm not trying to be stink about it I but know it, you, mean, you know yeah. i mean i i've had a couple of moments like that i sat yeah. i sat and talked to suzanne vega i mean i listened yes. to suzanne vega from the age of i think i was eight yeah and i Got. I felt like I got her music when I was eight, That's and thirty cool. um, something years later, I have lunch with her and talk to her about and talk to her up. about music. And she's 
into doing it because she got that I was, you know, a fan and I'd... Cool. And that was amazing. And I'd, you know, uh, you know, I yes, I, I, at the start of the conversation, I panicked and started trying to tell her how much of a fan I was. Did you ask her how much she loved New Zealand? I didn't, I didn't, because I'm actually pretty skilled in avoiding that question. That's one thing I'm good at, because I don't, I don't care the answer of that. So I I generally, I'm I'm not saying I've never asked it, but I've got it out of my system. I really want you to run a workshop about how to not instinctively ask people if they like New Zealand. I can add that to the, um, to my CV of things I've done where I've, won't really get any money for it. Yeah, I would go. I would pay good money to know <laughs> ah, that I was never okay. going to say that ever again. All right. Well, I can I can definitely teach you. Just remember, what do you think about being in New Zealand? That is such a you complicated know? question for me. That's like yeah. So so, yeah. so why would you want anyone say? else to to uh, cheapen or expand on that if yeah. you're already wrestling with it yourself? I don't believe in it as yeah. a question, but no. it was just like it was like this other entity entered my body and was like say it. Totally. Oh, totally. Ask the question. Yeah, yeah. totally. So I, I, um, I mean, I, people say, what do you do when you meet someone really famous? How do you not clam up? And it's like, of course everyone does in some way or to begin with. But what I've learned is like, when I say these people, famous people, mm. um, like being spoken to about the things they're interested in. They like that, yeah. you know. If 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 they're a person who likes communicating, and generally in the arts they do, you get yeah. them at the right time, and 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 they would prefer that, I think. If I can speak about famous musicians as a group, than someone trying to think they've got the one clever question, or <laughs> or panicking and gushing over them and, and treating yeah. them like they're more important as a human being than they are because they're just humans. Or like entering with a real buzzy question yeah. as well. I was always like, whoa, whoa. You see awkward Nick Cave interviews like that. Oh all the time. yeah! I fell into a wormhole of watching Nick Cave interviews. Yeah. Over lockdown, like just for yeah. hours, I'd just be doing something else and be like, I might watch another one. Oh, okay. You know, right from the kind of young rebel phase, right through to the kind of national treasure, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like watching these weird. Changes. Now, is he an important person for you? Oh yeah, I love Nick Cave. Yeah. I'm a huge Nick Cave fan. Yeah. Um, how did that happen? Like. How, how far know. back do you go with him? I think I had an ex who was really into Nick Cave. I actually think it's that lame. But I was more <laughs> into... I was really into his writing before I was, gonna, I was, I was into his... I was going to say, imagine uh, the fact that he's kind of multidiscipline yes, appeals. I'm, and The Ass or the Angel is my favourite book of oh, all. It's a wonderful book. I have two favourite books, In The Ass or the Angel and Cousins by Patricia Grace. Oh, yeah. So those are my two favourite books. And I just Gosh, and they're books book. that would never probably Be together meet. on a shelf, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And... I love them both for different reasons, but I grew up in, like, a really swampy... Oh, sorry, dude. I grew up in a really swampy... Like, literally a swamp. I'm not going to say swampy. It mm. was a swamp with a house next to it to the point, like, one time I was hanging out, like, a towel, and I heard, like, a gunshot because people were just, like, shooting ducks, and I mm. looked, and the towel had a hole in it, like, that level of close to the swamp. It was, like, a Mai Mai in our backyard, and, like, we used to play it, you know, that level. Mm. So I was reading it there when I was about 14, 15, and it was just like, wow, this is so, like, reading mm, place. And mm. I loved that. And I loved how it wasn't, like, it's about the story. It's about narrative. But you don't have to read it for narrative. You can mm. read it for aesthetic. And you can read it for description. And you can read it for pacing. And you can read it for dialogue. But there's all these things there. So to the point where, like, I have it, but I don't really lend it to people. Because I often pick it up and read one bit. 
Like I'll yeah, pick nice. it up and read like yeah, the scene yeah. when he goes to see Cosimo or something. And be yeah. Like, oh yeah, nice. I like that. But I'm just going to read that bit. Mm. I'd hate to think how many times I've read it or read certain bits because I just love that text. Mm. And I like Bunny Munro too. And yeah, so, I thought yeah. I thought that was um, I thought that was really funny. And, yeah, and, yeah, and 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 intentionally over the top, but so good. but some great writing still because a lot because I noticed the reviews of that were very like, you know that's a that's a, oh, you know, you probably haven't met Sylvie. No. Sylvie the cat is a little bit um, quiet on the dog. I'm one of those people where most animals like me quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, which is good, good sign. Bowie will get jealous and chase her out in a minute. She's <laughs> a lot older, so she can handle it. Nice. Um, but yeah, like uh, I thought, Bunny Monroe was really funny. I mean, yes, it doesn't stand up to the sort of scrutiny that the that in the ass or the angel does. Like yeah. you can't, um, you know, you know, but it's not trying to. Like it, it is what it is. You know, yeah. you, you you're not supposed to. Same with sick bag songs. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sick bag songs is interesting, and I'm going to seem like more of a Nick Cave fan than I am, but <laughs> I but but I have read it. I've read most of the things that he's put out in the published form. But I have a real problem with him, but I also used to really like him. Mm. But I think we said goodbye to each other, me and Nick Cave, <laughs> when, um, last year or the year before when I went to the um, the thing that he did, the talk, where he played uh. some songs and answered questions. I think that was me and him breaking up. Like, I haven't listened to him since, and I don't feel the need to. Um, and I don't... I just, I just, and, and mostly my problem with that night was actually the audience, not him. Oh, yeah. I felt like that when I went to see Joy Harjo this mm, year. She's mm, an amazing part and yeah. an amazing musician. And the questions were oh, like. Oh, I bet. That would have been the embarrassing. The questions were really stupid. And How do you that, find New Zealand? It was <laughs> pretty much like that. It was like, this is the top indigenous author of all time. And I was oh like, come God. on, ask something. Like a pro wrestling intro. And my brain almost wanted, like, I was trying to think of a question big enough and, like, to honour her. And, yeah. But I couldn't, and it was all good because we got to hang out with her anyway. And I was sitting next to my cousin, which was super special, and we were just crying. And we sang for her a few times and did a wire to total call at the end. And all these white people were looking, and I was like, What the fuck are these Marys all singing? Why are you singing? And it's like, Because she's just been here answering all your dumb questions yeah, yeah, for yeah. an hour. Yeah. And she deserves to be sung for. But, um,. You know, I spend all this time thinking, like, oh, man, there's so many things I could ask her. But then people will get up and be like, I'm from the States, and this is my question about, you mm. know, like... It was more about them than about her. Yeah, I was going to say, the classic is, this isn't so much a question as a comment. Oh, my gosh. But they not in that kind way. of, like, a way to start a wanunga <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, it's not like a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are your fakaru on that? Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like, this I is I don't this want an me. answer. I just want to be heard talking yeah. to you I just want you know it on yeah. the record that I spoke at the same time as you I think there's a bit of that uh, yeah it was really it was really kind of irritating but she was so beautiful and graceful and her reading was so awesome that it kind of made up for it but yeah I was really like oh man like I wish panels were more like Wananga because this is there is this amazing um, SNL skit from I think the early 90s maybe the mid 90s Chris Farley was on the show he's dead now he used to do this funny talk show, um, the Chris Farley show, where he would be uh, an over-enthusiastic, nervous fan meeting people. <laughs> and awesome. they had Paul McCartney on the show. And he, you can watch this on YouTube. He sits next to him and he goes, you remember when you were in the Beatles? And Paul, <laughs> Paul, Paul, and Paul McCartney goes, yeah, yeah, I do. And he goes, that was awesome. 
And you, you, you know, I'm not doing his acting justice because he doesn't, but it's perfect. And and I watch that a lot in between doing interviews. And the other thing I watch is this clip uh, where an unnamed interviewer, a film student, she is interviewing John Cusack and she walks in, shakes his hand and he's there to plug some movie. And she goes, she goes, uh, it's so funny. I'm missing film class to um, talk to you. And today, and what's funny is they're watching American Beauty. And he goes, why is that funny? And she goes, because you're in it. And he goes, no, I wasn't. <laughs> and, which is back to like your original thing, uh, you're the mansplaining thing. Yeah, but, yeah. And, then, and then he goes, and she goes, you sure? And he goes, I'm not in that. And, she's like, and that's how the interview starts. And it's awesome. like, you don't get to see whether she repairs it or not. And he was actually qu- kind of quite nice to her, given, <laughs> given how bad that was. Oh, but if right. I want to make myself feel better at doing interviews, I watch those things. You, and watch, go, those you are the, watch Absolute Trainwreck. Yeah, those are the reminders. Like, wow. those are good, like, how not to's, you how know. How not to's. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. also just embrace, the, and also just kind of embrace the failure a little bit. But yeah, Nick Cave's interesting because he's yeah. he's always doing something. And, you know, there to me, there's a, there is a bit of a pomposity about him that I've, has always bugged me. But I kind of like as well. Oh, yeah. There's a really interesting graphic novel out about his life that I can't remember mm, who wrote it. Mm-hmm. But they've also done a Johnny Cash one. So yeah, I've a, read the Johnny Cash one, but I haven't. The, oh, the Nick Cave yeah. one's exceptional. Yeah, I loved it. And it was also cool because they examined the time in his life where he was writing in the Ass or the Angel, and he was yeah. actually really unwell. Yeah. Like, mentally unwell. Um, and there are a lot of factors going into that. And I always find it really interesting looking at people's work in that space. Yes. And it's really interesting how we kind of glorify was, being unwell to create a great work, and like that's definitely what happens. That's when he was coming off sort of smack and stuff too, right? Yeah, like, and he, he had a few kind of mm, um, mental health issues mm, at that time, and there's this real weird kind of like praising that society does for making yeah. yourself really sick to make something awesome, and it's like, maybe he still would have made something awesome. You know, it's kind of this really weird thing where people praise it. In the book it feels very kind of like, oh wow, maybe I feel bad now for... Always been. I like, actually yeah. think. Um, I mean, I'm this. I'm a sucker for these things, but I actually think the graphic novel space is so perfect for exploring that with musicians. They oh, do it very it. well. That it's that it's better than like some sort of really well researched biography. The 100%. the visual component yeah. really. I mean, I've read. I'll read most graphic memoirs and novels I can find that have anything to do with music. It's a bit like I'll watch biopics and even fictional films about music even the trashy ones but you know like I don't particularly care for Jeff Buckley but I read a a reasonably recent graphic novel about him and I thought that got to the heart of the sadness of his story better than any of the books or documentaries have yeah I really love music graphic novels too Mm. and I've never had this conversation I've got a really cool one that's like short stories that have been made out of all the Bell and Sebastian's which is really cool and there's also a lot of jazz ones, like mm. really good jazz yeah, graphic yeah, there's novels. Yeah, a beautiful one on, I get a few of them out from the library, there's a beautiful yeah. one on Billie Holiday. Yes, I love that one. Mm. And who in the, the um, saxophone player she was playing with? Yeah, yeah, Lester Young. Lester Young and how like they thought he might have been queer and that yeah, following yeah. that narrative yeah. and how he was treated and how they had this kind of beard marriage, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's so many interesting And I was actually, in I was in the library today and I saw uh, there's a really great graphic novel about um, Daniel Johnston okay, and cool. uh, I had actually bought that when I was in the States and I gave it to a friend of mine that lives there after I finished reading it but I saw the the um, cover and was like oh I'm going to have to actually 
that, get yeah. that or buy it again or get it from the library again because it's because that obviously Daniel Johnston's story is all about mental health and the toll that yeah took on his music and how he's so was so kind of celebrated for it and that that okay, wasn't really the so next. yeah I love graphic novels and I've banned my it's on the staff picks in the library if you oh, go there tomorrow you'll I'm find gonna it I'm gonna do it I'm, yeah. I'm a huge fan of graphic novels but I had to buy ban myself from buying them about four yeah. years ago because they're very expensive here. yes and and yeah. oh, you just smash and you them. And te- you smash through them. And, and a okay. couple of hours, and it's like, okay, that was yeah. a $70 yeah. two hours. And, okay, you are <laughs> going to revisit them, and yeah. you are going to potentially loan them, but it's still a lot of money. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't buy them. I just get them from the library for that reason because yeah. I would get I would get so addicted to, and I already have a problem buying records. And yeah, I do have, have yeah. some issues with buying books, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, I really enjoy I reread Sandman series at the start of the year to try to prove to my cousin that um, Frank Miller's, um, oh, what's Frank Miller's series called? They're the kind of two main graphic series. There's Sandman and... Did he do the Sin City one? Sin City, yeah. yeah. So I always preferred Sin City growing yeah, up. We yeah. probably shouldn't have been reading that anyway. Yeah. It's really violent. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I was reading Sin City at 10, and <laughs> I really loved it. Wrote a real library, no age restrictions. And my my cousin was talking about how... Um, Sandman was way better so I read the whole series to try to prove him wrong and yeah. then I was kind of like well they're really different and we can't compare them so I guess he kind of won but yeah that was really interesting too just yeah, going yeah. back and being like well there's, there's more every time you get yeah, more yeah, out yeah. of graphics yeah 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 the more you know so, so Yo-Yo Ma mm-hmm. Nick Cave graphic novels in general and the I guess the kind of comic book format in terms of graphic memoirs and stuff these are all big things uh what are some other really important you know and you mentioned a couple of other authors and in passing but what are some other big early cultural touchstones for you in terms of art in terms of art you know yeah interesting i'm thinking early on because i grew up without the internet like Mm. i'm this weird just before because we were like just before and then we were in places that didn't i was gonna say yeah 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 so i didn't so there was the internet but just not yeah but it was special yeah yeah it was like the internet was like a special occasion Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so i didn't really i didn't have broadband until i was in year 13 of high school Mm -hmm. seventh form Mm. so there's all this stuff and it was kind of like if you wanted something you had to like leave the internet on overnight to look at it the next day (laughs) like i remember loading like a coldplay music video overnight yeah to watch it the next day yeah Yeah. probably (laughs) but you know like that was the level we were at yeah yeah so there's a lot there wasn't a lot of discovering unless it was stumbling upon it yeah so I'm trying to think of things I was into at that time I was really into anything Jack White ever touched right and I would buy anything that Third Man Records did yeah I was really into that and I'm still really into Jack White for a whole bunch of reasons and I really like his philosophies on music and he talks about making things harder like on gigs he'll like push things deliberately a little bit too far out of the way to challenge Mm. himself and I really like Meg White's drumming and how I just like everything that that says about about music and about sound and about communication like I really like maybe think like wow music is communication and the way that he uses story and the way he uses objects like I like all of it and I love how he really curates a theme with a piece of work and I think that taught me a lot being like Mm. oh wow you can really put all these things in and curate something really special and make like a really tangible thing. Like you can make music something that can be grasped and held. Mm. And yeah. So I really loved everything he does a lot. And so if you're reading like R18-ish 
comics at 10. Sorry, and, Mum. And, Sorry, Mum. And, and, and at any age, reading the novels of Nick Cave, frankly. Um, when do you pick up the pen? Because writing is an important part of <laughs> your... you were going to be like, when did you realise you were really fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean that's a good that's a good uh, thing to realise. I think, and uh, you know, I think I think uh, most people get there eventually and realise yeah. that about all of us. But yeah. but um, no, I'm just trying to bring in like because yeah. I, I know you think of music and writing as being I don't know what to, very closely linked. Very closely linked, like yeah. yeah. I mean, this is oh my gosh, this is funny. So <laughs> at primary school, I was seven, and I wrote this poem called "Dying Dead." And I was sent to the principal's office, and I thought it was because I'd done something awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, like, I other kids... worried about you. Yeah, it had. And I, other kids got sent to principal's office because they got 100% in the maths test or something. Mm. And I thought this was my 100%. It's my turn. It's my time. This is my 100%. <laughs> I am being sent there because I am obviously extremely clever. I got 100% in this poem. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I got 100% in this poem, and I, like, go there, and I'm, like, rocking up, and I'm, like, so excited. And she's, like very beautiful and deep poem Ruby and gives me this tiny shit little sticker and yeah. everyone else who ever came back came back with a prize and I was like what's my prize and then she was like really awkwardly gave me my shit little prize and I think they must have run my parents or something but you know it was a good poem to be honest but yeah so I guess then but I think writing is something I've always done because it's accessible yeah. and that's what I like about it because it's you know anyone can do it in terms of mm. you need time but, you know, like we always, we have Patricia Grace as like a co-matsu of Māori writers in this area. And she talks about writing at the kitchen table where the kids were doing their homework and things. So it's like, you know, you've almost got no excuse when you talk to co-matsu like that, you know, like mm. you can do it. You can get up that hour earlier. You can, yeah. And that's, you know, you, ju- you just need to be able to literally write, you know, mm, like mm. put words on a page and you can start. And that's really beautiful. And that's why that space is really good for so many different groups and we can learn so much from so many people through it. Whether as music is a real pay-to-play space after a point. Mm-hmm. And I often think of the ethics of getting people involved in some sides of music where that's, like, that needs to be able to be sustained or else is that ethical? Like, I had yeah. lots of think, thoughts about that, about the ethics of like programs encouraging people into music and these things. Like We need to make sure that it's kind of continued and there's going to be like work for them in that as well if that's mm. what they decide to do oh, totally yeah, whereas yeah. it's going to be like well maybe you shouldn't work in music because yeah. you're going to need to look after your family because they don't have a house to sell you know what I yeah, mean yeah totally so many I had this weird um I, I've always had this weird kind of beef with the fact that there are still journalism schools in the country <laughs> you know I just think like how yeah. how is that how is that possible? And and when it really crystallised for me was a few years ago when I was asked to go and speak at, um, at a journalism school about reviewing, and I was paid in a in a petrol voucher. Awesome. And I thought, did it and, not pay your petrol to get there? That would be no, funny. but I, I I walked. It was close <laughs> enough. But yeah, it was a bit like that. And it's like, uh, you know, I agreed to it. I didn't. Yeah. I was happy to do it in a sense. But when that happened, I wasn't expecting a payment. But I almost wish they'd given me nothing. Yeah. And when I was given that voucher, I was kind of like, okay, I'm I'm part of this problem unless I don't turn up anymore. Yeah. And um, so I I won't do that stuff anymore. It it's got to yeah. be something you want to do, or you have to be paid for it. And you know, I've done a few of those talks over the years, and yeah, I mean, God, payment was never the number one reason. Mm. You had to want to do it, but I just there was just something I was like, there's just something very meta wrong with this that you are charging people to come and learn 
you are bringing along, in their words, someone with some expertise to talk on a subject, and then yeah. you are valuing that at nothing, a contra deal that you've been given by someone else that you are passing on, a petrol voucher yeah. that you've canvassed the area for or whatever or got through from an advertising deal, and then I'm supposed to impart wisdom to these people to go off and make careers... Yeah. And I could barely make a career myself. And in that moment, I wasn't paid for it. It's just fucking wrong. So. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and that applies to music massively in the arts yeah. in general. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I get to lecture occasionally now, which is really cool. But it's real. It's real interesting as well, like coming in and doing lectures. And a few years ago, I was less wise and I went and did a few lectures somewhere, starting with you. And I just wasn't like paid for it yeah. and then now people are like oh this is how much you get paid for lectures and I'm just like oh what I... yeah, yeah. and it's kind of like oh man I was so much younger and just so busy well, being flattered that, that I was 22 I was going to say there's that, whole, <laughs> there's that whole thing that goes through um, the arts and things like journalism and magazines mm. were particularly bad for it when they existed they kind of don't now I suppose oh. but but websites are, are as bad um, where they won't ever front foot the payment conversation mm. um you have to i mean radio new zealand is like that too but radio stations in general are like that you have yeah. to you have to say can i be paid for this if if they won't they won't get you along for a for a featured spot and go by the way this is the fee they are they are hoping yeah. they are hoping you are flattered to do it i try doing they, maori work man it's like yeah <laughs> it's like, can we give you a koha it's like not if you can't pronounce it <laughs> You know, and it's like it's real interesting people mm. doing things like that, mm. or like what they think is a, mm. you know, or it'll be like, oh, we're gonna give you a koha of, you know, this is our hourly rate of a koha, and it's like actually if like you're giving me an hourly rate, that's utu, that's payment. Like, <laughs> you can't just do this as a tax write-off. Like, stop trying to be woke. Mm. Just pay me money to do a job like mm. you pay everyone else. Mm. I don't understand? Yeah, it's really tricky, eh? So is poetry the the preferred writing medium for you and I can't write fiction at all yeah. and it's really funny because my family are kind of like one day you'll write a real book which is really cute <laughs> and they kind of say it jokingly and I feel like but my mum's going to be listening to this right now and be like I said it once <laughs> but I think it's really funny because I almost think, think like that too because I feel like like I think I think deeply a lot like you know I'm always got something I'm mulling over that's mm. walking back in time and coming back to me and poetry is a really good way to express that once it's ready. But the actual writing doesn't feel as hard as the thinking side of it. Mm. Where there is, like, if I sit down and try to write anything else, like any longer form works, it feels really hard. Like, it feels like all of that thinking time is being pushed into writing time, and I find that really hard. I like personal essays, and I do those for... I've done those for quite a few mm. journalism things. I'm mm. the same with journalism. It's kind of, like, quite funny because... Like, I have no qualifications in that, but, mm. you know, here I am, write quite a few articles for Panto and, you know, mm, and mm, other things, mm. and I guess I'm, that's a skill I have now. But, yeah, so poetry is kind of my favourite form. Yeah, it's I got think. a finite kind of aspect around it in terms of yeah. creation, right? Like, you might not get it finished in one go, but you kind of can. Like, And I, and I, I yeah. know some people spit them out quickly, and some people might take years to to revisit and write and craft upon yeah. but in terms of allocating time you can get some lines down on the page 
Yeah, and I just know I'm really bad at fiction. Like, I've definitely had a few good cracks, and it's just right. not. It's not your thing. And I could, if I wanted to, spend lots and lots of time on it and improve slightly. <laughs> or well, I could, you know, or like, I could and, not and, and do something else. And it might come later on. Like, in the, yeah. in the you know, look, someone like Charles Bukowski was publishing yeah. poems first, and, and then... You know, and I, I think maybe his short stories are, you know, he's most famous as a part, but I think maybe his short stories are actually better, better. but they didn't come until many years later. Yeah. I was super into the beats as a teenager, but now whenever I read something, I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. Yeah, what was yeah. I thinking? Yeah. Like, wow, on the road is terrible. He just kind of yeah. kidnaps this woman, and then he's, like, going and, like, demanding stuff from Indigenous people. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. kind of a nightmare. Why did I love this? <laughs> <laughs> I was... <laughs> but it, that's a tricky conversation uh, yeah. to, to, to it shows you how you've grown yeah. you know it's like it's quite good to revisit books that you used to love and be like I but, still love this but, but also like, there is a thing I think around and I, th- I think it's kind of different case to case perhaps but because some stuff is just creepy and awful and, and, <laughs> and, and it was because it, it didn't get called out I do think yeah. that but also if people weren't as aware of things and if that was how the world worked then, then you you can visit it or revisit it and remember it as a reflection of that time, right? And you can, yeah. you know. Yeah, 100%. But I think that disclaimer needs to be there as well. Like, I know Looney Tunes sometimes have a thing beforehand where they say, yeah. like, this is how things were during this time. We do not kind of condone it and we don't want to erase history. Like, we wouldn't, you know, like, they say... Did you go and see Rhiannon, Rhiannon Giddens when she was here? I didn't. That was during the whole article time and I was right. probably, like, yeah. eating and crying. Right, because um, I imagine that would have been that show would have, would have been right the, up your alley. It and, really would have. And yeah. Layla Michaela um, and her and a few other African American kind of old time musicians yeah. have an incredible album like put out by the Smithsonian Institute that I recently bought, and it's just been on repeat in our house. It's so yeah. amazing. I grew up being really into country music for a while and played bluegrass and bluegrass bands and things like that as well. So all that kind of thing was you know right up my alley. Yeah. That stuff is like um, really quite an incredible discipline. That the country bluegrass stuff, like it's it's really yeah. loose but really tight at the same time, yeah, right? Like it's the best yeah. thing to do for your sense yes. of time. Like I used to do it. I'm kind of pulled back a lot from doing those things because it just takes a lot of time and you don't get much out of it once you've done it for a long time. And I was just kind of I would do those gigs because I was basically playing time or mm. bass for mm. you know four hours. And you pay mm. for it, sweet. Mm. You know. And it gives you a really good sense of time. It gives you a really good sense of being able to hold everybody and what everyone's actions are and, yeah, yeah. you know, hold that all in place and bring things back in and bring things together. It's Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, pl- I played for years in an Irish band and, oh, and nice. that was good training in that sense too because it was, um, you know, it's it, it's it's related to Musical country marathons. and bluegrass and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely, just the five-hour gigs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah, and just that 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 discipline of sitting there and being a rhythm player and a non-soloist, um, yeah, exactly the same thing. Like you're just sitting there playing, holding it, and it was the best thing. You know, and some days I hated it, but it was the best <laughs> best thing for me in terms of. Plus, it was the best paid thing I've ever done with music. You know, it was regular Irish, pay. Irish gigs do play really well. Yeah, yeah. It was true. just it was just regular. You know, you just turned up and got booked and got paid. Yeah. There's also really weird things that happen at folk gigs that just, folk and bluegrass and all those things that just don't seem to happen anywhere else. 
And now I'm kind of like, oh man, I just really like a little bit of reliability mm. when I go to work sometimes. <laughs> Quite the, enjoy not doing The Rhiannon, get, I don't want to, I don't want to um, tease you about the fact that I saw the gig and That's you didn't, okay. but the Rhiannon Giddens okay. gig was interesting to me for me, I mean, for many reasons it was amazing, um, but she spent a lot of time articulating um, her interest in, you know, the music from from very racist times, yeah, and how interested she was in the music and how you could, you know, go through something like that. You, you mentioned Looney Tunes, that famous cartoon song of, the, uh, song of the South, which they banned and stuff, and how you know, as awful as it is, there's some amazing music in there, and you can, yeah. you know, you, you can look at how was something beautiful created by. Not yeah. just in an era of bigotry, but by bigots, which is always the argument about that. What's that famous um, silent movie? Um, name escapes me now, but um, there's like a three-hour um, silent film that's I, I remember seeing in a film class years ago that's just this awful racist Oof. propaganda. But right. but it was a pi- visually pioneering film film for the time and it's yeah. like I remember reading this really insightful commentary on it going are we prepared to you know acknowledge that this awful bigot might have been one of the cleverest filmmakers of his time or or do we yeah. just not count that because he was using it to spread hate yeah I think you can be like this person had a really beautiful way of putting ideas across but their ideas were toxic and were horrible, toxic and yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. I definitely been in situations where people can be really articulate but the things they're saying are just really poorly referenced yeah, and really yeah. hateful not worth hearing and it's those are almost the arguments that are the hardest because it's like you don't have the kind of anger I have when you're not in this like you're arguing from a place where it's like this is a fun ethics debate for me yeah mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's like get things like that like, have like this weird thing where sometimes like white men yeah. just message me on Instagram like what are your thoughts on Theo Shun and I'm like are you actually serious I'm Kaitahu leave me yeah. alone I'm trying to eat my breakfast it's 9 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's kind of like why do you want to have like an ethics conversation with somebody who has a personal stake in this like at any moment and there's this real kind of you know and then they want to have this real like academic conversation about it yeah it's real interesting all those things and there's definitely like, awkward parts of all of that, too, where, like, especially in, like, in Te Ao Māori, too, where there's people who, like, appropriate Māori art all the time, mm. and they get more, kind of, kudos for it than our own artists and how how that kind of look. But then there's people who, like, in Tangapūro as well, there's people who have genuinely given back to the scene and who have fostered it and made it what it is. Mm. And then there's people in that scene, too, who haven't done that. And it's, you know, this really, this thing you have to constantly navigate every time you meet somebody and you have to get quite good at knowing the right questions to ask and knowing how to how to be around people and I've definitely made the wrong kind of way I've definitely asked the wrong questions enough now that I know what right ones to ask and mm. I know what a red flag looks like now mm. yeah but it's an interesting space to be in like I remember when I was because I got tamako this year and I was looking for like some reference pictures of um, our Kaitahu cave paintings for my tamako and it was so hard to find anything that was done by us it was all so all the mm. books that got published mm. were by Theo Schoen or by mm. this academic from Norway or this academic from here. And it was like, man, I actually just want like one of the cousins from Waiha who's just like popped down the road and yeah. like, taken a camera phone pic. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like, <laughs> that'd be sweet. But yeah, it's kind of like, I really don't want Theo Schoen's version of 
Takai Hotu, like, mm. you know, mm. etched into my skin until I die and forevermore. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's quite interesting and complicated. Everything's complicated, but oh well. Mm. We exist through it. So you, you've you just made um, an album. It's really just recently come out. Yeah, in the last, I don't know, three, two or three weeks, yeah. And let's let's talk about that for a bit. So I've been listening to it, and um, it it fills me with the the kind of um, the the feeling I often get when I listen to. Well, first of all, you basically you are combining, I think, haunting on top of haunting. Because <laughs> this is so funny because me and all the Poodle players have this joke that all of you is always say haunting. You, yeah, totally. So that's what I was going to say. We've like, got a master file of all of you. We yeah, just, like, totally. We just grab it and it's like, the haunting, the haunting of course. is haunting. There are so many haunting. awful cliches in reviewing <laughs> and they come up sense, yeah. and sometimes they make sense. And yeah. so there's, you've got the Tangaporo, but you've also got the cello, which gets described as that yeah. often. Visceral and haunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moody. Moody. <laughs> Introspective. Warm. Yeah. Um, there are all of these, but but you know, I'm, I'm I'll happily defend my use of that, and no, no in the right. sense that you have combined haunting on top of haunting with those two um, two instruments, those two sets of sound bases. Yeah. What, and then the natural elements as well. Well, you talk about the the process of making the album and what you were trying to do. achieve, apart from haunting yeah. on haunting, which was obviously yeah. what you I were trying really to do. I just really wanted to make something incredibly haunting, to <laughs> yeah. freak everyone Double up out. the haunting, yeah. I just wanted everyone to, like, <laughs> feel really freaked out and haunted. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Um, yeah, so my kind of idea was looking at, in a way, decolonizing the recording process and looking at the things we value within, within music and within where we place things in mm. kind of a hierarchy. I just said hierarchy like it's a Maori word. Hierarchy. Yeah, you got. Yeah, I know I did a. I did it wrong. I'm sorry. It's all good. Yeah. So in the hierarchy of it, um, so instead of recording tangapuru in a studio, and then layering up with cello, or which is more common is a kind of yeah. vice versa to like record a cello a nice yes. a nice classical backing or a nice jazz backing, yeah, and then yeah. on top Add put tangapuru, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's kind of. It makes sense as a place to start, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, but we've, you know, we've been combining these two things for a long time. And even if we look at these two things as a metaphor for Māori and Pākehā over mm-hmm. the last, you know, two hundred and fifty years, it's like, well, actually, there's me. I'm Pākehā and I'm Māori and I'm playing cello and tangapūro. That's kind of the point here. Yeah. And we can flip it all around, and we can use the tangapūro to tune, like, tune those to the environment, record that as a response and then use the cello to support and kind of change the hierarchy of it. Mm. So that was a one big part of it. And then the kind of other part of that was kind of looking at playing with time and playing with different locations around Wellington. Well, I would have done it anywhere I was, really. Yeah, yeah. But Wellington's really interesting because there's this idea that Pākehā were here a hot minute. I mean, Māori were here a hot minute before Pākehā were. But... We have so much history here. It's the middle of Aotearoa. Like, everyone moved through mm, here. Mm. I mean, you can see the South Island. You can, you know, it's a, it's an amazing place. And so, so many iwi have moved through here and have history here and have connections here. It was really beautiful to kind of look at that and play with that in terms of sound. And also just to kind of look at the Māori worldview. Like, we talk about walking backwards into the future and we're kind of constantly looking at the past as it's moving away from us Mm -mm. 
And so there's real kind of sounds of those pūtaka, of those stories in those places. And during that kind of two years as well, I was doing lots of kind of whakapapa work and having lots of really amazing chats with, with Fano and Kaitahu Fanoka and just being able to piece together how I how I fit into that structure, but how I also how I fit into place here and in other places because of that. Mm. So that was kind of what I was doing. And I was, at the start I was just doing it for me, but then after a while I was like, maybe other people might like this too. <laughs> so I kind of was a bit more like, okay, I'm making something now after I'd made four or five tracks. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm trying to work out how to ask this, but when I was listening to it, one of the things, I mean, I know you a little bit already, but when I was listening to it, and, and I guess informed by the knowledge I've seen from some of your writing and, and hearing your interviews, I wanted to know where this kind of curiosity came from to find out about yourself and your ancestry. I think about it and I realise, you know, I have no curiosity about yeah. where I come from. I don't care. And, and Do you ever get people ask where you're really from? Though? No, of course not. See, no, that's, so that's, I get that. That's what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the thing. I'm I'm acknowledging the privilege yeah. of like, you know, like my grandfather did a lot of work on a family tree, and there was a Ooh. family reunion when I was a kid, and there are these books that that we've got in our family that follow us mm. back for years and years and years, yeah. and one day I should actually look at them, but. I... <laughs> I, I'm just kind of relaxed and I go, oh, well, I know they're in the family home. One day I might look at them. I don't need to. I don't yeah. care. And I recognise how lazy and privileged that is. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And I think there comes a time in everybody's life when they find that's important. And often for Pākehā, that seems to be like when people are a bit older. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah, I've, I'm quite racially unidentifiable. I'm very racially unidentifiable. Yeah. When I changed high schools um, when I was in year 13... I showed up on the first day, I had my hair all out over my face, trying not to be noticed, and with my backpack, and they were like, oh, you guys are sitting over there, and I look over, and there's this group, there's a few Asian kids, and there's a few um, kids from kind of Europe, like, it was a big mix of, yeah, you know, I guess they would think ethnic-looking people, and I'm like, oh, fine, okay, so I went and sat down there, thinking, this must be all the new students, mm. and then, like, a few people come over, and I'm talking to them, and then this lady comes up to me, and she's like, where are you from? <laughs> and I'm like, toe poor, real slowly. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to wait for And moved me to sit with the year 13s because I thought I was an exchange student because I hadn't said anything yet. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, I've been asked, where are you really from? So many times. And it's funny because I'm really from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's this funny thing if people are like, like to have a guess all the time it's like a fun game for people it's like... bizarre how um to me it's bizarre how uh people want to know that stuff about someone else yeah i don't yeah. you know because i also have very little curiosity about that in terms of um i'm interested in people and i'm interested in in, in getting a connection with a person and, and talking about things and yeah. so we will talk about where a person grew up and... Uh, and In terms the of the things they came into contact how, Exactly, who they yeah. became, you know, rah, rah, rah. But, you know, your, you know, your answers to me around growing up and Turangi and Rotorua and so forth, they could be other places in the country. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They could be overseas. But when you give me those answers, then I can see, you know, when you talk about 
well, the internet was around when I was a kid, but not in the spaces <laughs> where I lived. It's like, well, you've already provided that. It's like the fucker-pupper of my personal relationship with the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but you've, you've provided those, that, yeah. you know, that, that background information, yeah. so that's really good. I don't need to ask that again, and you don't need to explain it again. But in terms of going, so well, what about your parents? Where were they born? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, well, well, which one of them came over on a ship? You know, from somewhere, anywhere. You know, yeah, that totally. sort of stuff is bullshit to me. It's like, really funny, but like my whole life, I've like everybody asks it all the time, and so that's exhausting. That's exhausting, and I think that also as like a kid, it gives you a sense of like shit. I'm different. Where am I from? Yeah, I'm, am Why I different? Do I look like this. What's going on? And mm. it's like it's quite interesting because my family. We all visibly look like we're all different races. We're just that kind of mix of things. Mm-hmm. Like we look like a business meeting. Yeah. You know, it's like we go out for Christmas lunch and they're like, oh, is this your interview function? It's Do you like, guys no. all right sitting together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> When you turn up. Yeah, like my dad. We've only got one table left. Yeah, yeah. Do you all sit together? It's <laughs> like we're actually siblings, but all good. Um, yeah, so everyone looks really different and I've kind of got a mix of a bit of everything. But yeah, so I think that's part of where it comes from. It's just mm. kind of an inherently Maori thing. Mm. To have that kind of like Nokia thing, but also there's this side of it where there's so much hard work we have to do that if you have that kind of depth of knowing that all of that is behind you and all of that gives you the right to be here and the mm-hmm. right to stand up and do those things, it gives you strength to do it. It's almost like a a self care, like a radical self care thing in a way mm-hmm. to be like, actually, I'm allowed to stand up and ask people yeah, to stop yeah, being racist in New Zealand music. I've done the work because my because 40 gen- generations ago, yeah, my ancestor Rakai Hotu carved out the rivers of the South Island. So no, you don't get to tell me mm. that I'm only performing here with Yo Yo Ma because I'm brown. So yeah. we, you know, what I mean, like you can, yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. performing on this river that my ancestors fished, you know, probably. 50, 60 years ago, maybe, oh, probably longer now, 100 years ago, you know, it's stuff mm. like that, you mm. get to say, here is me in this place, mm. and I've been able to say to people who challenge me, it's like, you know where your house is? That used to be the rewe plantation <laughs> of the seaweed, so, you know, so you live on top of that, enjoy, have a nice sleep, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's cool to be able to Oh yeah, look, I'm asking, I'm awesome. asking this question out of admiration and, <laughs> and, and appreciation and and I'm envious of it. I'm just re- prefacing it and yeah. recognizing how how profoundly uninterested I am in my own yeah. life and my think own. It's survival for us. Yeah, like it's really survival, and like. And that's the part I guess I'm not envious about, you know, like, yeah. and I get to be not envious about, which is r- really ridiculous in a way. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool, and it's funny too because for me, like I have quite good relationships with what Pakia would consider extended whānau, but for me, I'm just like, ah, oh, you know. Fun and people are like, but how are you actually related to them? And I'm like, just shut up and just accept that, mm. you know, I could be a real jerk and be like, well, my nan is his nan's cousin on his, you know, I could, we could yeah, lay yeah. it all out. Or yeah. you could just accept that I know them well and we have related, we've been related for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and we only have four generations to catch up on and we can do that in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's well, there's a, there's a kindness and an acceptance in uh, Fano talks and I guess structure, yeah, that is um, again I'm I'm sort of in awe of and jealous of, yeah. But I don't seek it out with my family at all. Like I don't think, oh, you know, I need to connect with the people that are 
related to my parents. It's like, well, if you see them at a funeral or a wedding, fine. You're like, hey. I'm not rude yeah, to yeah. I'm not rude to them, but I don't, yeah. you know, at all. And, but I don't feel connected. Yeah. And I don't feel the I don't feel like anything's missing. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, eh? Because maybe you get that from somewhere else. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. if maybe if you did some of it, you'd be like, I understand now what. Yeah, no, totally. talking about with yeah. connection. Like, I bet you if you trace it back and went back to where they came from, mm. you'd probably be a little bit like... You yeah, know, it's, like, it's, real, it's real interesting yeah. with that because I have a Pākehā partner and when she traces stuff back, she gets really, like, emotional about it as well and it's really mm. cool to see that that's something that can kind of come across a few different mm. different spaces and it's quite mm. quite interesting yeah mm, mm. now there's this whole other um oh well, let's get, go back to the album so the album is only just out and you you were building it around these recordings in various places of wellington yeah. and you did the whole thing pretty much yourself i did i um al fraser mixed it yeah. Um, who's Tonga Purdor? Yeah. He's one of my Tonga Purdor mentors. Yeah. Him and Ariana Tiko are like my Purdor parents, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I've got um, lots of other mentors as well, including Rob Thorne, and, um, who's also an awesome dude. Yeah. And yeah, I've met Rob and I've, I've only yeah. met Al very briefly, but, you know, I've listened, yeah. I've seen them play and listened to them play and they seem like um, good, yeah. good people and good musicians. I feel yeah. super lucky to kind of be. Yeah. The generation I am and have all have this them wisdom. as yeah, yeah. teachers and, a, a and formal teachers. Of all of it. So there's yeah. kind of like, you know, there's Richard and Hidden and Brian, mm, and then mm. under that is their generation, yeah, and under yeah. that is mine. Yeah. And there's this real lovely, you know, Fucker Papa isn't just Fano. It's like within Tonga Purdor, mm. and I know they've always got my back. It's a real lovely mm. feeling. Like when that article came out, all of those people completely had my back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was really amazing, and really shows that kind of like. You know, this is actual. This is this is fucker for Nongatonga. Like this. Is, well, it's another. All... Yeah, it's another version of um, you getting to play with Yo Yo Ma. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's another one of those experiences that. Yeah. You know how much that means to you. Hundred percent. I was just talking. I've been doing some work with Vanessa Stacy recently, and we just figured out that she booked the bus for me to go to see Richard Nunn's when I was in high school, <laughs> which is quite awesome. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. there's all these nice little like. Yeah, well, like, yeah, like me and my partner went to Sam Wiggles concert when we were four. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah it's, it's nothing like that. It's way cooler. But yeah, this is not, anyway. What was I talking about? No, I, I mean the 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 profoundly white version of that is me and my wife were at the same U two concert without knowing each other. That's the whitest thing that's, I've ever heard. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. That's like, oh wow, that's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. White culture is so beautiful. I know. I know. So we... That's fine. <laughs> um. So, and so you, yeah, so you basically made the album yourself. I did, yeah. And does it exist in a physical form or is it just a no, download? Yeah, but I. Or you, is I that going to happen? I did all this art and poetry for it. So there's, yeah. like pieces, there's, there's a piece of art and a poem for each track, mm. and then there's like a, a map at the start. And so I made it so that I could print it as a booklet, and then you'd get a code in the back to download yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But then lockdown happened, and now I yeah. haven't really done the printing of that yet. But I think I'll print it for people who really want that yeah 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 which is cool because my kind of idea was not my idea but something i'd like to think of it as a resource would be if you had the booklet with you and your headphones on and you could like go to the Follow place, the place. And, yeah, you know yeah, it'd be yeah, like totally. quite a fun kind of oh i've said i've said i mean i haven't left the house with it on i've sat here listening to it and i've sat here listening to it, and i mean you know we live the street we both live in is 
close enough to the middle of Wellington to walk very easily, but when you get to our street, yeah. you are surrounded by beautiful bird... Freelandia, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 you're, <laughs> exactly. You are surrounded by beautiful um, bird noise and general sort of relaxed feeling that makes you feel like you're nowhere near as close to the city as you are. Yeah. Um, so I've been sitting here listening to it, imagining all these spots in Wellington and around the place and trying to work out... What which, the sounds are. Yeah, what the yeah. sounds are. And whether, so it feels instantly kind of interactive in that sense. Like it, it's yeah. making you make it. And, uh, you know, I know Graham Reed's written a, a quick brief review of it. And he, you know, and it, it's, it's a fine review. But it, <laughs> it, it, he basically says he's really just sort of holding it up as a thing for people to check out rather than yeah, yeah. getting deep on it. And that's fair enough. Um, but he basically says, you know, the more time, the deeper you go with something like this, the more time you spend with it, the more, you know, time you surround yourself with the sound and, and kind of quiet, you're going to get more from it, which might seem like a really prosaic, obvious yeah. thing to say, but... Yeah, I really like that. It's also true. Of, yeah, I really like that part of it, that you can kind of spend more time with it. And I'm almost at a point now where I feel like I can listen to it and enjoy it yeah. myself, which yeah, is a weird yeah. point to be with when you make anything. So when was it finished, into, like the recording? When was that? That was all done pre-lockdown. It was all done pre-lockdown, so it was all done. I lost, like, the one of the cello tracks for um, Karaka Toe, so I had yeah. to redo that during lockdown. But that was the only recording I did, was just mm. the cello track on that. Um, but me and Al, well, Al mastered it, um, not mastered, sorry, mixed it but we were kind of talking about the process the whole way and he was real awesome at kind of following what I wanted and letting me make all the kind of big decisions about it while still using his expertise for making mm. the pearl all sound really good but not taking away from the environment sounds mm-hmm. and mixing the cello and stuff. So that took a lot of time and I also had to finish, I did all the poetry stuff for it during lockdown and I did, because I'd written like real descriptions originally, mm-hmm. like like, in 18, what to do? And that was really... And someone read it was like, this is so dry and boring. Mm-mm. This is so dumb. And I was like, you're so rude. And I was like, no, you're right. It's real dumb. <laughs> yeah. So those are all still there. They're on the Bandcamp page. You can read yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the quite dry ones. But then the poem side of it kind of helps people to remember that side. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the dry side works for reading, like, before or yeah. after and the poems during. You yeah, know, like, definitely. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that they become very evocative. Yeah, and, and I did, I finished off, I think, half of the paintings during lockdown too and kind of put it all together. I'd already filmed some videos with um, Sebastian Lowe and Victoria Baskin, which yeah. was really a really cool process too. So there were lots of kind of different things. And I wanted to do, for the release, I kind of wanted to do like more Wānanga-style things. So I've had like a few... You know, I'm like doing got one coming out tomorrow, which will already be out by the time people hear this. Mm. Um, with Issa made on a pity about kind of writing or composing about place and how that is mm. for young Māori who mm. might be disconnected from place. Mm. So you know, I wanted other people to have their experiences and thoughts in there too. Yeah, so it's nice. not just me being like, yeah, yeah. "Hi, I made something." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's been cool too. But it's been a lot of work because, you know, I think people in New Zealand are people. People don't seem to realise that in New Zealand, like, you are your everything machine. Yes. Yeah, it's really yeah. funny. Like, people will be like, can I speak to your manager? And I'm like, cool, <laughs> yep, I'll just get are. here. <laughs> yeah, Hello, yeah. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. You know, it's it's real. And that was really hard. Like, I released it. I had it all time to release. And then I, like, went to work. 
you know it was like I wasn't even there to like mm. enjoy people being like yay and then I just sat down later and was like thanks everyone I was working at the time that's such a New Zealand experience that yeah. um, you know I can remember um, when I wrote a book that came out in I think 2012 and I can remember vividly the day that it was officially released I went to work sitting in an office typing <laughs> did not want to say to people oh hey guess what I wrote this book and it comes out today and wasn't, yeah, yeah, wasn't about yeah. to do that so That's just, so New Zealand, eh? just like, sitting doing my work and then at lunchtime I, my big excitement I mean I already had a copy obviously yeah, but yeah. my big excitement at lunchtime was to walk around the corner to Unity Books and just Aww. and just see it and I went yeah. in and of course it wasn't there because it was being shipped out or whatever and it took New a few Zealand. days because yeah. again because New Zealand and I can just remember going back to work and sitting down and just going, oh, I'll, I'll get back to work then and put my headphones on and just carried on working. Oh, and I was like, depressing, and I just, but I, I could laugh at that because I just yeah. sort of went like, that's anyone that does anything like this in this country. Like, <laughs> like, much make, like everyone. Short of like Neil Finn, you yeah. know, like. Like this album um, for me was like done really cheaply. Mm. And, but, and I was real lucky because Lee Preble mastered it and he definitely gave me mates rates, which is awesome. Yeah. And, so I've made my costs back plus a, plus a pair of discount slippers, and that's hilarious. Like yeah, that's probably yeah. all this will make for the next ten years. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. every time I put my slippers on, I'm like, yeah, "Honey, yeah. you earned these." <laughs> like every time, put I'm your like, feet up. I've come home from work. I'm like, "You deserve this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like two thousand hours of work slippers." Mm, you know, mm. it's like it's real funny, like how that works out. Mm. But yeah, there's this weird kind of side of it. It also feels kind of like you've got a secret. It's real funny. Yeah, yeah. My favourite moments are like when you hear people talking about your work and they don't know you're you. That's happened to me yep. quite often. Like I'll be in a cafe or something and people will be talking about something and be like, oh yeah, I read this amazing like, article. I read this, well, you know, it sounds real weird, but obviously. Yeah, yeah. But then they'll say something real like nonchalant, like real like strange or just like throwaway comment. But like, I'm like, I didn't understand this though. And then be like, anyways, did you hear about Martha? You know, it's like straight on and you're just like, there I am sitting yeah, here. Yeah. You know, this weird kind of sonder experience from yeah, just one yeah. little person yeah. moving, moving through here. <laughs> yeah, I used to work in um, uh, the CD store when Rian Sheehan released his first oh. album and he, yeah. he was working there. Yeah, and yeah. God, I, you, know, the, you know, we had a lot of musicians go through that store that were involved with bands and stuff, but... Rian's first album was a big thing because it was the first official full album on the Loop label. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And he must have, like, sold so many copies of that to people that would... And then they would just come back and go, oh, I'm buying this for my friend. It's so good. Have you heard it? And he'd just be like, nah. You know, like, like he, he, he just... There was, I don't think I ever caught him going, oh, that's actually yeah. me. I've you always know, wanted like, to be like, yeah. yeah, in real life, she's a bit of a bitch, hey? Like, I've always just, like, when people have, like, asked me if I've read something, I'm like, you read that article about aunties? It's amazing. I'm like, I've heard that in real life. She's real awful. My, my, I just start rumours, but I've had a couple of experiences like that, because working in the record store, people used to bring in reviews that I'd written for the paper, and they'd have oh. them cut out, and they'd go, oh. you know, hey, do you have this album? Which was usually That's a good cool. experience. It's like, oh, cool, someone read read Did it. Did you ever write a shit review and they were like, yeah, every time Simon Sweetman thinks something's awful, I love it. Yeah, that, ne <laughs> I, that never happened to me, but it w you know, of course, it would have happened. But I did get a woman come in with the. Um, you know, nowadays we would refer to her as a Karen, um, <laughs> but I did have a woman come in who um, had a clipping of a Miriam Faithful album, oh, yeah. and she was like, um, you know, apparently this guy says it's really great, rah rah rah, and I said, oh yeah, Miriam Faithful's. You know, she is. She's always been great. I've been into her for ages, but this 
new album is really, really great. It's one of her best. And she just scoffed at me and was like, you don't look old enough to know anything about Miriam Faithful. And so awesome. I was just like, well, I actually wrote that review that you're holding. Yeah, yeah. I've kind and of felt like... I had to do that. That's the one yeah. time I did it, you know, and I've felt kind of good. Yeah. I'm... She And to her credit, she was like, oh, wow, I'm really sorry, you know, like, yeah. I'm sorry for saying that and that's awesome, but... I've definitely done that with, like, when people have been, like, obviously a silly little high school dropout. Or, like, <laughs> yeah, people, yeah. I look quite young. So yeah. people be, like, when that Itangata article came out, someone was like, oh, look at this, these 16-year-olds, do they know things? And I was like, I actually have a master's degree. Yeah, yeah. So please, you know. If I, I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's where, you know, um, the age of stuff is ridiculous, though, because it wouldn't matter if you were 15 or 16 and wrote that. That's a good piece yeah, of writing. I think of, like, like, men do stuff that's really awesome yeah, when they're yeah, quite young. Yeah. People are like, Protégé. And then when women do it, they're like, doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's or or a, it's a fluke. Totally fluke. I've yeah. had so many flukes. Hey, I'm like, oof. <laughs> running out. So um, the next um, kind of fluke for you is a book yeah. of poetry is coming out. <laughs> that, does, that actually does feel like a fluke. I don't know. It's funny because I do work really hard, but I do enjoy it. So mm. it does often feel like a fluke. But I've mm-hmm. kind of analysed myself enough to realise now that... You know, I'm quite used to working like that, yeah, and that yeah. it's not a fluke. It's yeah. like years and years and years of yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, so that's really exciting. So that's not coming out till next year. Yeah, is that right? Probably January, February. Yeah, like yeah, so, yeah. So not long now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm quite excited. I'm and a that's little bit nervous. A full volume of poems through VUP. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, which I feel really proud of because I never yeah. did the masters there. Right, but a lot of people think oh, I did. So you've snuck in. I'm a sneaky one. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did undergraduate papers there. I did a paper with Tina Makariti, which was the most amazing paper, mm. and the Maori and Pacifica writing paper. And she got us to do. We kind of dabbled in all the different genres and then created a project. Mm. And so I started that book then. So I wrote, I think eight poems about my dad and then went on from that and just kept kind of writing stuff and a lot of things would go back to the relationship with me and my dad as a theme and then that kind of became I kind of realised I was writing a book halfway through I was like okay I have half a book now mm, it's on one, one of them the the one that's in sport Which one? oh yeah 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 that's so one, I think that people can find that same one on the spin off as well but yeah. that, that was in the issue of sport that came out this year yeah I'm quite yeah. lucky I have quite an interesting family so it's quite easy to write about them I right. feel sorry for people who, who don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. find something else yeah yeah how does your family um, feel about you writing about them um, are they into it or do they just not bother when or? I kind of felt like coming out actually it was mm. more stressful coming out about writing a book about dad than actually coming out to my dad dad I'm gay yeah and it's like I wish um, I could come out to my dad about this I'm also a writer I wish you hadn't I wish you hadn't told me both of those things drop yeah um <laughs> Yeah, so telling Dad was cool. He was like, yeah, yeah, that's real good. As long as it's the truth, eh, you're not good, was what mm. he said. And I'm like, okay, you're not good. You're not good. And Dad doesn't read what I write. And I used to, it used to bother me. I used to be like, what do you read what I write? And he just puts all these books in a pile. He's like a sacred ruby pile mm. on his like kitchen table, lounge table. And I'll give him up. He'll be like, oh, I always want a copy. And I'll like, give him a copy. And he puts it on the sacred table. And then like looks at the back and then puts it down and like none of them have been opened. And I'm like, why do you do this? Mm. Why do you make me buy you a book and then not read it? What are you doing? And he mm. was like, I already know you're good. And mm, I was like, that's oh. nice. He's feeling connected to I was you like, still. Oh, that's so nice. Mm. I'm like, okay. So I don't know if he'll read it or not. I know there's a couple of pieces in there that he might feel very seen by, but I don't think he'll not like them. And yeah, I'm a big 
I'm a big dad fan, you know, like I, f- I really value our relationship and I think that comes across, like it really comes across that me and my dad are really close in our own strange way where we're both weird introverts that no mm. one quite understands our brains and yeah, I think it definitely comes through. I feel like um, I'm going to say something that's a real cliche generalisation here but I feel, I feel like women probably more easily bond with their dads and maybe yeah. maybe men more easily bond with their mums there's this thing around the super freudian yeah 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 because <laughs> yeah. you're because you're not in competition sort yeah, of thing yeah. i think right it's, it's funny eh? and like i often hear people be like but your book's super freudian and i'm like no it's actually really not it's, it's <laughs> the interesting thing about the book is it's really about kind of Māori identity, but in terms of the things that we don't often think as being a Māori identity, but they're all things that colonisation couldn't really get rid of because they weren't obvious. Mm. So, you know, it's like pretty obvious when someone's speaking a different language to you or wearing different clothes or eating different food or living in a different configuration. But what's not obvious is how you raise children, how you gather food, like, you know, like all Mm, these mm. different things are not as obvious. How you perceive sexuality, how you like impart knowledge and all of those things are how my dad is he was raised by his grandparents for a chunk of time and so he's got this kind of older than he is generationally mm. sort of way of being and he's definitely been through some things and I mean who hasn't mm. yeah he's a really special special guy and he lived up on Mount Ruapehu and he you know worked the mountain when I was a kid and things like that so yeah it's a really special book and he definitely had like lots of real out of it parenting like techniques like there's this one <laughs> techniques I don't know my partner's often like I hope you're not like that with our kids I'm like they'll be fine <laughs> you know like we there's a poem in there about swimming and he'd take he'd drive chuck ch- the tr- um, trailer on and all these kids would like pile all their boats and stuff little you know kayaks and boats mm. and things on the trailer and we'd go up the river and there'd be tyres and kayaks and everything and everyone would go down the river and be like, no, 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 not for you. You've got to swim. <laughs> and like, oh, he would make me swim down rivers like with rapids and shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I've got a big scar on my leg from getting caught mm. in a tree underwater. And then he'd be at the end waiting for the kids to come out and he'd be pointing at all the fishermen being like, see that one? That one's mine. <laughs> the one that can swim. That's my one. Breasts, other people's. That one? Mine. It's real funny, and I'm a real good swimmer now. But, you know, it's like these little weird survival things mm. that are always kind of snuck through, mm. or weird kind of like our way to our experiences that we don't put into words, or we don't put into heaps of words, we put into one or two words in really subtle ways. And just kind of how that looks, and kind of kind of grappling with all those kind of things and what the family inheritance is like in terms of, of whakapapa and in terms of all those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned your mum in passing. You mentioned that she might be listening. So she listens that, to what, everything I do. She makes right. up for dad. So I was going to say. So what, <laughs> so that's interesting. But also, what? So what's your relationship with her like then? It's really good. We have a really good relationship. Mm. I think it's kind of really good. Now I'm an adult as well because we have that. I know everybody says that, but it's quite nice mm. just being able to. Well, you suddenly you suddenly you suddenly go ah. Oh, when they were grumpy, yeah, it was because I was yeah. a fucking pain in the ass, and, no, or, I was or, cool. or they were tri- <laughs> or they were just multitasking and they had a guts full of it, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you suddenly go, well, like they're people, they're not just parents, they're people. Yeah. I think there's that realization, and they look at you like, 
oh, hopefully they look at you like, oh, you're a person. You're not just a kid. Yeah. You're a person. And those things that you're interested in that we thought were stupid, you are actually, are actually good. Yeah. And you're doing something with them. Yeah. And, um, or, or, or really, above all else, you're, you know, you're happy. Yeah. Or you appear to be as happy as a person can That's be. Cool. Yeah, my, those sorts of things, eh? Yeah. My mum's super into music and she was super into, um, who was she super into for listening wise? She was just into everything. Like we listened to Gillian Welsh, we listened mm. to like ska music, we listened to lots of Don McGlashan, we listened to, you know, like everything. Mm-mm. And like the best of every genre, you know? Mm-mm. And that was really cool. So she's really into stuff like that. And she was really into, like, she really understood the whole not letting school get in the way of people's education. Like, she was mm. real kind of like, why don't we go to this gig on Thursday? You don't have to go to school on Friday. Nice, yeah. That kind of... This is an experience, so you can... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was cool. And That's she was cool. she was very, like, very straight up about stuff. Like, I have this memory of her being, like, to my math teacher, who is now my uncle-in-law, because um, the world is small, <laughs> which is always awkward. She was kind of like, look, I know Ruby's shit at maths at parent-teacher interviews, and now at Christmas I have to be like, yeah, okay. Well, okay. uh, my mum warned you. Yeah, my mum did. Don't make me do maths, please, dear God. Don't make me separate this chicken into yeah, 18 yeah. pieces. You know, but, yeah, so she's always very straight up about stuff. She's a ukulele teacher, and she has, like, practically a ukulele mafia. She has, like... 150 students or something and she can run these massive groups and everybody loves her she's one of those real natural teachers that makes people feel really good about themselves and makes people go from being like i can't do this at all to i'm doing it within an hour yeah yeah. you're you're witnessing the great cat dog standoff here phenomenal they're kind of friends and then they it's like they remember oh we're we're born to argue with one another like it's quite a fascinating uh little relationship between these two yeah i love watching animals they're good times <laughs> my dad was really into chickens we had he had like 80 chickens at one stage so i'm very animal versed <laughs> and tell me about the um the kind of work side of things for you in terms of music the teaching yeah i kind of don't really teach that much now which is is quite a nice change because it's a lot a lot of things to juggle but yeah. I work as a music therapist which is a form of I'm calling it a form of teaching yeah. but it, yeah it, it, it much beyond of, that but. it's kind of like teaching but you have to make people better and it's tiring <laughs> so it's kind mm. of like teaching mm. it's look it kind of looks like teaching or like people are just having fun when you look at it but there's a whole lot of things that you're kind of negotiating and pulling strings underneath Mm. to make that possible no I spoke spoke in the early early days of this podcast I spoke with a music therapist oh cool um Pip Algie do you know oh yeah 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 yeah. and who who I know well and uh and 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 similar thing like she and that she was doing a um a bit like the class that you and Hannah were doing that sort of fun thing she was doing that with Oscar when he was much like a baby version when he was much younger so I got to know her and experience seeing her that that was her little escapist thing to do that's cool that was related to her work but outside of the intensity of the music therapy yeah yeah yeah, it can be quite intense and Mm. I had my kind of my flying hours for it were in mental health and now I kind of work across that a little bit. I've been doing some prison work recently as well, but now I am mostly work with young people and do a lot of speech and language-based stuff and a lot of stuff with special needs young people, mm. which is really awesome. And 
I love working with young people. It's a real nice space to work in too when you're in your 20s mm. because you're kind of like, I was you not long ago. Yeah, yeah. But there's that still there. I'm not you. I can, you know, it's I like, can teach, I can offer something, but yeah, yeah, yeah but I can relate. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, and miles they away also from like me. being, you know, they find you really embarrassing and that's really funny. Like, I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can be like, hey guys, it's a TikTok. <laughs> and they'll be like, go away. <laughs> go away. I hate you. Go away. You know, I can I can be like, I love this movie. But they'll ask me really funny questions like, do you remember what it was like when High School Musical came out? Because mm. High School Musical is suddenly cool again. I'll just crack <laughs> up and be like, we thought that was so lame. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like four kids at our school thought it was cool. Stop talking about it. Like it was <laughs> like this big cultural revolution. Well, they'll be like, did you line up for Harry Potter books? I'll be like, no. <laughs> like no one lined up for anything in New Zealand in the 2000s. <laughs> Like, you didn't even line up for a toilet. You'd be like, yeah. no, I'll go later. Like, yeah. no one lined up for anything. Like, do not. It's so true. You know, it's like, no, I've never lined up for a book in my life. Although, I worked at um, Borders when the last oh. Harry Potter book came out. Yeah. And so that, I mind you, Borders. that's getting towards, like, the mid, uh, that's about 2007 or something, isn't it? So it's yeah. creeping up. But creeping there was up. a massive queue down the street for that. Yeah. That was a bit different. But like in Topol, Whitcoe was yeah, yeah, super weird. Yeah, still weirdo. be able to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were waiting at 9 a.m. That's just a big city thing, like, yeah. you know, relative to New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so I feel like everything that we've talked about answers this question already, but um, why did you move into music therapy? Hmm. Like, I feel like you could listen back to everything we've talked about, and, and, like, and they're all steps why? in that direction, right, yeah. in a way. Yeah, I think that's where my skill set lies. Like, I'm good at, I'm good at improvising, and you need to do that. Yeah. I'm good at thinking on my feet, and you need to do that. I credit my dad for that, actually. Actually, I also think there's a personality type that is good with like extreme situations. Like my dad, like froths over natural disasters. Right. He's like one of the few people I know, and he's like, a "Mountain has erupted. I need to go save the people." Like he's that kind right. of right. Like, guy. You know, I like I like over like stress and stuff. Actually, I'm quite good under stress, mm. and. Yeah, I also like that for for Māori, we've done this for generations. Like tangapūro, you know, instruments, not not just instruments of music, Mm. but instruments of health. Mm. You know, like you know, you have surgical instruments. These are instruments of like, like the mind and the body, and the mind and body connection, and all these other things. And in a way, I get to honour that tradition. Yeah, yeah. And I have to be a registered music therapist to do that in the music therapy sense because there's no you know, they, there's no kind of system here for being like, I'm a tanga poodle player. Right, yeah, Like, I'm going to do this. And, like, people do do that. Yeah. But, yeah, so part of my kind of tucky, my, like, task I've been given, I guess, somewhat reluctantly, but here we are, is doing that and being like, okay, cool, this is just as relevant and just as valid yeah. as the Western sense of this. And so I'm going into these spaces and doing that. And, yeah. Because, yeah, it's interesting because as well, like, a lot of Māori have done music therapy type jobs before you had to be registered to do it. And now it's kind of like, oh, well, it's a master's degree. I don't have a bachelor's, so I have to either study for five years or I, I can't, so I'm going to stop doing this. Mm. And I guess I've been working in this retirement home with these kaumātua for 20 years, playing their songs, but oh, you're going to get a real music therapist now? Okay. You know, there's mm, like definitely mm. parts like that, so I like to kind of be there to advocate for tangapūro and advocate for the knowledge that our people have that may not necessarily come from institutes. Like, look at us. Like, we both write articles and do journalism-based things. And mm. do you do you have any training in that? No. Nah. No. Nope, oh, I mean, there's, there's no, other I ways don't. to learn. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, 
Although I am a I am a journalism school dropout. Like I did actually. That's even enter- cooler. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always thought so. Thank you. I'm glad you spotted that. Like I. Yeah. Um, or, Someone or, needs to do a cover for you of beauty school dropout. But yeah, yeah. Journalism school dropout. <laughs> um, watch I, out your next So I, I did That's arguably have, um, you know, the intention of yeah. training and qualifying as a journalist, but yeah, I always found it really funny that I was the of my year in journalism school. I, I wasn't the first person published, but I think, like, yeah. I was the most widely published um, pretty quickly, like, compa- yeah. well, compared to a lot of them. Obviously, several of them went straight out into proper radio and newspaper yeah. jobs, but lots of them didn't, didn't do anything. It yeah. says a lot, hey, like, I remember at jazz school as well, a lot of people who kind of sat around the B-plus range were the people who now earn all their money from music and people yeah. who are really caning it aren't necessarily those people yeah and yeah. i always kind of wish that they'd had people come in who were like solid b pluses but then were like hey actually i do this for a job now and when i was at school what was jazz you know, school like for you oh no i feel like this is probably a bad conversation <laughs> i could tell you skipped over it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was good for learning a technique of retaining mm. Things. Like I definitely use all the techniques I learnt there, and I definitely, it definitely changed my thinking a lot of ways. I feel like I'm going to be detoxing from jazz school thinking for a long time though, because there's definitely like this ego element that kind of comes in. Mm-mm. That, yeah, and it can be a big boys' locker room, is my experience of jazz school. Yeah, yeah. It's like a very male-dominated space. But also, yes, you went yeah. there, and you went there with. Um... Who was I with? No, I mean you went there with like not the typical instrument. No, so I really well. had to like fight my way. So you went there with arguably not the typical gender. Yeah, I went there and I think everyone kind of thought like, who's this novelty bitch? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. That's yeah, like yeah. my whole life. Like, yeah. who's this ethnically unidentifiable novelty that's bitch? That's a great name for your second album. Ethnically unidentifiable. No, who's novelty this? Bitch. Who's this novelty bitch? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny and it's kind of like. I remember on the first day, like, a guy who's a good mate now being, like, trying to do a cutting contest with me in a combo and being like, I'm going to play really hard stuff and I bet this dumb girl can't play it. And I just play it straight back at him. And then by the end, he's like, nah, you're cool. We've, you know, we've done our thing. But it's like that. You had to prove yourself all the time. Yeah. And actually, it really takes a toll on you. And don't even, you don't even end up working on what you wanted to work on. And every time I kind of branched out a bit and was like, I feel like this is my place here. Like, I'd often do stuff involved with Tiao Māori. Like, people just wouldn't get it and wouldn't rate it or, would like, tear it down for really weird reasons. And I'd be like, man, I feel like this isn't, you know, okay, I guess I'll go back to doing the other stuff and just keep this in my head for a while. But now when I do that stuff, it's the stuff that does really well. Mm. And it's the stuff that feels really authentic and that I don't have to, like, force myself to get up and do. Yeah. It's a complicated uh, legacy, I think, the jazz school, because oh, yeah. f- f- a, lot, a lot of people have a similar feeling to what you're describing that have gone through it. But I notice no one ever leaves it off their bio. You know, it's always there. Oh, yeah, I kind it's always of do. there. I've taken to leaving Vic off my bio. Right. Um, yeah, I'm at Massey University now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think there are different reasons for that. It's got a really. It had a really prestigious reputation. Yeah. But also New Zealand's very small and people forget that. And, you know, even within the top 2% of jazz musicians in New Zealand, like the top 20%, I guess, you're going to have a huge amount of variation because mm. there's not very many of many people doing very many things, you know. It's like yeah, yeah. that's what New Zealand's like. And in some ways that's really beautiful because yeah. 
you can know everyone. Like me and Warren Maxwell were talking about how there's like a real fuckapapa at a jazz school. Mm. And like, I'm real lucky because I've got like John Lindsay and Al Fraser and those people who were there and Mike Hogan who were all there at a similar time. And I was playing on John's album when I was 17. So those people and Hannah as well and Fraser. So those people all kind of like mm. my big siblings at jazz school. And I was just this like little year nine with a backpack, like, "Hi guys, mm. can I do some session work? <laughs> I'll bring I'll bring cake to thing, real fun, you know." And that was so cool. They gave me the time of day and really mentored me through it. And they were always there whenever something shitty happened at jazz school, always. Mm. And mm. yeah, there's like a real fucker puppet at jazz school, and there's a real place belong. And I always tried to do that with younger people than me when I was there, and in some kind of employed roles too. Like I worked there as Molly and Pacific liaison, which was hard um it was so hard um when I was there and yeah so there was definitely that feel there and it kind of comes and goes as well but yeah mm. there's also a kind of a sense of ownership I think like if you've been through there they kind of act like sometimes the school can act like they own everything you do and I've been a bit vocal recently being like actually you don't own me and everything I do especially things that when I did it there you were not into it you know, you definitely don't own those things. Mm. Like, there is no fuck up a back to you here. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. you directly cut this off, and you don't get to own it now. Mm. Sorry. You know, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, totally. No, I had a, I had a funny thing with um, journalism school where many years after I had walked out... They dropped the A word, they, alumni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they invited me to be part of the gang which you know and I dropped out like weeks into it like I was not <laughs> there I was not there and when yeah. I was there I was arguably not there you know like I wasn't participating massively yeah I just had a year where I just decided this thing that I thought I wanted I didn't yeah and I didn't know how to deal with that because I was a young idiot so I just Stop showing up. Stop showing up but didn't formally withdraw that's a common thing for Jack yeah. to yeah. yeah and just hid sometimes mm. hid in my room sometimes hid by going to the pub early <laughs> sometimes hid by um you know busying myself with lots of manic activity that um made it seem like I was too busy to be there but I was actually just a, a young kid trying to work out what the fuck I wanted to do yeah 18's yeah. pretty young eh like it's pretty yeah I always think about this I used to think it was kind of a fully formed age and yeah, now yeah yeah you realise it's not yeah, it's real interesting to be like that little bit older and be like, man, that's crazy how we expect people to make lifelong decisions at that point. I'm really glad I made the right one. Yeah. Even though everyone told me I didn't at yeah. the time. And it's actually worked out really well. Like, yeah, um, yeah. For the first time in my life, I feel you know reasonably financially secure, reasonably work secure. You know, it's kind of weird. Like, I wake up well, and I'm like, wow. That's, uh, you know, that's encouraging to hear too because you're obviously, you know, very talented, but you've you've... You've worked. You've worked into and worked out an area where there's a need for your skills. Yeah. Yeah. And as as um, intense as it is, it's not going to, you know, beat you dry, so that you can't participate in the other things you want to do. Yeah, and I think there's this kind of expectation too. Like when I was a kid. And when I was in jazz school as well, I used to get kind of told off for, like, doing anything outside of mm, that. It would mm. be like, no, why are you doing this kind of gig? Or why are you playing in these kind of bands? Or why are you doing these writing things when music is your thing? Or, yeah, like in school, I had a Pākehā teacher, like, tell me that I had to give something up and it was either band or kapahaka. Mm, so mm. I quit kapahaka. And then she jumped in the school photo for kapahaka group, even though she wasn't, <laughs> did anything to do with it. 
and it was kind of like okay so I gave that up and now I can't you know I can't do poi I can't do any of these things because someone then was like no I don't like that you do too many things and you have it's to be, like cool I've you got know, like a little scar there now you know one of the th- reasons I walked out of journalism school uh, one of the last times I was there I got called in uh, to talk about my already not very good attendance and we we're only a few <laughs> weeks in and um I had published a couple of reviews in New Zealand Musician, and, and which I'd been doing for a while, and um, and I had a column in Capital Times at the time, and, and various things, and the guy said to me, you need to make a decision, because no one is going to remember you as the guy who wrote music reviews. And it's like, fuck, now I want people to forget that. Can you please, when you die, put a request in for that to be your tombstone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a real, that's so good. Isn't that funny? And it's like, I've only actually really just, you've really brought up to me now that that's actually what occurred. Because it's like, yeah. now I would happily have people forget yeah. that. And uh, the, this yeah, was yeah, that yeah. proclamation was like, no one's ever going to remember you as that. That's funny. Yeah. That teacher actually... Um, she, I think she like got into a bit of a scandal and got kind of half fired. And then I wrote this really, like, Please say poem. Please clever say poem. letter. Oh, but damn. it was like a, it was like a card, <laughs> and I bought like the blankest, boringest, vanillaest card. And I'm like, man, I wanted that. And I was just like, I was like, so good to hear that you finally got what you deserved because they like they made out that she like was received yeah. was retiring. Yeah, and yeah. So good, you finally got what you deserved. Enjoy your retirement. Oh, at least it has a revenge them. component, man. But I was hoping she you would say. She got my number somehow. She rang me. She's like, "Got your letter. Just wanted to call you and say thank you." And then she's like, "Well, so how are things with you?" And I just beat in the person who got ducks at my next high yeah, school. And yeah. They had to invent an award name for it. <laughs> And I was like, well, I just got top academic scholar of a school of 1500. I'm going to jazz school and I got four scholarships. And she was like, hmm, good for you. Bye. And hung up. And that was the last time I ever heard from her. And it's kind of like, and my mum was really like, don't send that letter. And I did it and I got off the phone. I was like the happiest I've ever been. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Good ending. Good ending. Yeah. I feel like that's a good ending to our conversation, yes, but, but I do want to... Like, <laughs> I don't even know if she's still alive. If she listens to it, people are going to be like, wow. I'm going to overhear more conversations like, Ruby Sully, that's really a bitch. <laughs> Rang this old woman. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Oh, um, is, is there anything that you wished I'd brought up that we haven't? Because we've had a pretty good chat, actually. Because this is the longest we've ever talked. Yeah, hard. It totally is. That's a real thing with, like living in Old Valley, eh? it's like you have lots of five-minute conversations. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I would see you, I reckon, most weeks, Some even yeah. if it's just like passing down the street. Yeah. We will wave out to each other, we will talk, um, and quite often we'll just be like ships in the night. We're both honing to We're somewhere. We're just going somewhere, yeah, or getting yeah. back from somewhere. But That's a feeling. We haven't sat down and had a big chat, and this has been really nice. Yeah, this has been really cool. Yeah. I feel like I had a thing before when we were talking about influences of one I thought was really cool, but now I can't think of anything. It's funny because I'm always like, if people ask me what my influences were, this is what I'd say when yeah, I'm sitting yeah. at home thinking about myself being an asshole, um, <laughs> which I don't do often. <laughs> but it's kind of nice occasionally to be like, these are the things I like, you know, it's quite good. But, it's such yeah. an int- it's such a weird question that the you know I don't often ask people directly yeah. what their influences are, but. But I am interested in it because I feel like a lot of people think still what I've what I've noticed over the years asking some version of that question or hearing some answer of it yeah. even if I didn't ask it is that 
people want to line up things that they think they sound like they that sound are sim- like. or yeah or, or similar yeah. to this or writers that they evoke or aspire ape to. or aspire to yeah. and and actually it's really cool and interesting when you hear like things where you're like you know yeah you know i didn't you, you might go well i don't know why you would like such and such you know like it's yeah. great like i want, think of embarrassing or weird ones now i definitely check on horror movie soundtracks all the time when i'm home alone and then people come home like what the fuck because yeah. it'll be like yeah, that's yeah. where you get that haunting thing from you see yeah i love stuff like that i love like <laughs> oh, movie soundtracks are like we could have a guy. we could have a whole separate yeah. david lynch is another thing i'm mm. super into david lynch as a storyteller yeah yeah as and like again, he's got, again, he's got again he's got that music. like he's got that yeah I was gonna say he's got that um, yeah. multi-channel thing going on of doing yeah. actually like yes he's a filmmaker yeah. but he's a visual artist have he's you a seen the art life, that his movie yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that that's one of my yeah. favorite movies because it's that whole kind of I like it when my mum used to do this thing where she'd get me to give her story ingredients and then make up a story which is so cool it's so cool mum yeah. is so cool and. So he kind of talks about that, and he's like, yeah, I saw this woman, we were sitting in our suburban street as children, she just ran down the street completely naked, and she was obviously not doing well, and no one did anything, and they mm. just watched her running around from their houses and did nothing. And he's like, and that was the big moment for me when my aesthetic, and like all this other mm. stuff, and it's like, man, mm. that's really problematic of you, but also, you know, it's, it's like, you can, you so can see, see that moment, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. well, blue velvet, that's that. And like, yeah. you know, you see all these moments. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. And I read well, half a dozen of his films oh, come like to mind, eh? Them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I still uh, remember watching um, A Razorhead, <laughs> and just, uh, you know, that's one that I don't even know if I like that film, but I like yeah. that I saw it. You did know, you I'm watch like. The Return? No. Oh, uh, yeah. No. I did. I was pretty fucked up after that. <laughs> I don't know why I thought there was going to be some sort of ending, yeah. but I was a big Twin Peaks fan. Like, right, yeah, like yeah. I made fake versions of no, the that's, pops, that, you know, that's, that that, that's a whole area of David Lynch I have never gone into. Oh, wow. I love um, the Twin Peaks music. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love, um, what's his name, the composer. Angel, yeah, Angel yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love Me his um, work, even his rare occasions outside of the Lynch world as well. Yeah. But... I've seen most of David Lynch's films. Yeah. I've never seen anything to do with Twin Peaks. Any of the things. Oof, that's good. The original. It's a real wormhole. Yeah. And I, I kind of keep thinking I'm going to, that I'm going to want, take a week, or longer than a week, but I'm yeah. going to take a week or two and do everything in all sequence. And I've I, I don't think I am. I've times, all of it, and I've read the books and been a big nerd about it for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a big influence for me, the way he tells story and the mm. way he... He does things. And also, yeah, I love Patty Smith too. I just read her her book, Devotion, her new Yeah, little, yeah, yeah, the little sh- the Which slim is the one same with that story ingredients thing. Yeah, that's kind of, quite a cool um, book, Devotion. I really enjoyed Devotion. I just read You've, her Have you read, book like, too. the other ones? Like, yeah. you know, just kids and everything? Yeah, I haven't read all of her ones. I kind yeah. of get a bit bothered when she's like, I sit down and have coffee and think yes. of my famous friends. Yeah, that yeah. That kind of... I don't know. That's yeah. cool for like a chapter, but then it's like, yeah, I get it. You have lots of famous friends. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Cool auntie. Like, yeah, yeah, it's real totally. kind of like, yeah, yeah. It's like sitting down I with mean, a drunk auntie who knew like, who knew John Rolls. Totally. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Just Kids was pretty beautiful, but. I love um, that book. Yeah, a couple of the other ones. I mean, I, in the end, I actually warmed up to M Train. Like, I oh, actually yeah, I warmed, really a lot of people didn't like that one, and I, I warmed to it. I actually got more into it towards the end of it. It but, relaxed me. Yeah, you know, it took me a while to really deal with it i couldn't yeah. be bothered and um some of her poetry i find 
um, a bit impenetrable on the page, but I love yeah. her performance. So oh yeah, yeah the album know. of covers songs she did yeah. was huge for me. Yeah, um, it was huge for me, especially like her um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yeah, cover. that's, that's a great one of my cover favorite of that. things. Yeah, it's and one of my favorite uh, things. even though it's one of the straighter things on there, I, mm. I love that cover of um, "Everybody Wants to Rule the World" as well. Ah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. really good too. Yeah, that's one of the more straighter head like hasn't really done anything to it, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, super no, she's powerful. she's super great. We got to see her in um, Melbourne a couple of years ago, and it was oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's she's superb. Yeah, I've always wanted to see her see her live. She's really fantastic. She's coming back next year now, eh? Oh, cool. Because she was Gonna she's another lockdown year. thing. So they've actually rebooked that for awesome. like April twenty twenty one or something great. like that. So she's doing Christchurch in Auckland. Awesome. I was a big Lennon Cohen fan too. I kind yeah. of like all of these creepy people who yeah, write yeah, yeah, and yeah. then also and sing. Have a, yeah. That's all right. All right. So um, the big ones uh, in that category I that you haven't like mentioned are uh, <laughs> Bob Dylan. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna level the playing field. Okay, I'm not, yeah. wasn't just gonna go there. Okay, I cool. I kind of guessed you probably weren't didn't care too much. I for like him. some of his. I like when people cover him. That yeah. sounds terrible, yeah. but I like when people cover him. But and I'm Joni Mitchell. Yeah, I'm a huge Joni Mitchell yeah, fan yeah, too. Yeah. I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan. Yeah. Blue is like a real was a real big album in our house. Yeah. Growing up, yeah, love it. Yeah, love yeah. It. Um, I really want her book that's come out with her illustrations and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, love I her. do too. I I I go and I've. I've picked it up a couple of times at Me Unity too. and that's, it's, it's a bit like buying a graphic novel there yeah, I bought the Big Nick Cave one oh, it's yeah, all of his yeah. like, copies of his journals and stuff and yeah. that's really interesting I yeah. love these people and it seems like there's almost like a dollhouse inside the head like they've got separate rooms where they do yeah. separate activities and all this crazy stuff going on in there and yeah. this is the room where I think about this and this is the room like it seems very they're really mind palace people mm, like all this stuff mm. and, what about people like the you know someone like Brian Eno is he anything in your world oh, man like music for airports, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I looked into Because in a weird way, things. he fits into that. He, he does just, fit but because into he's that. not massively known as a vocalist or a or a prose yeah. writer or I like a poetry he composes. but he's a writer as well. I mean, he's he yeah. he has he wrote this amazing um, book called My Year with Swollen Appendices, and oh, it's brilliant. Okay. Like it's a diary. It's like a I diary thing. Yeah, list. yeah, yeah. I haven't. I kind of looked into him a bit when I was doing some music with. Um, with some people, well, who was it with? Erica and Nell from Orchestra yeah, Affairs. Yeah. yeah, we were doing a thing for Weta where we played atmospheric music for six hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we were just standing there, like, ooh, like yeah, with all these yeah. like reverbs and things on. So we were looking at his stuff then, and I really enjoyed it. And I yeah. like his kind of philosophies around music. But I haven't yeah. looked at him enough. No, he's 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 pretty fascinating. Right. Like.